Fighting is the craziest drug that you will ever experience. I think every dude should have at least one fight just to have that feeling of there's another person right there that either wants to defend themselves or really wants to hurt me and I have to deal with this. Fighting is fleeting. You can be a fighter. You cannot be a fighter. You go out, you get injured. You don't want to fight again. You're no longer a fighter. A martial artist, that's a lifelong journey. Boom. Welcome back, guys. This show is for Dana White. Dana White, get the contract ready. My boy, Miles, he's ready to sign on the dotted line, but the numbers better be right because this man's trying to get paid. He's got- Show me the money. Show him the money. Show him the money. He's got two beautiful kids, a beautiful wife. This man is leading by example, and I'm excited for you guys to, uh, to hear what he has to say today. Miles, you're the reason why I'm not going to fight uh, <laughs> MMA, bro. This man can hit harder than a Mack truck. And uh, unfortunately, I learned that at Matt Brown's gym. I went in there to look cool on social media and act like I know what I'm doing. And I did a very, very light, probably two-minute sparring with Miles. And he probably hit me 5% of how hard he can punch. And I said, yeah, I'm going to keep watching the UFC on my couch. <laughs> yeah. But Miles, appreciate you coming yeah, on the show, appreciate brother. Appreciate you having me. Oh, boom. Yeah. So, dude, let me... Uh, let me understand what it's like to be, because you're considered a professional fighter now, right? Correct, yeah. And you're undefeated? Undefeated. Has all knockouts. All knockouts. All knockouts. Makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> what is it like fighting as a professional fighter? And what are you doing right now to try to get that contract in the UFC or in, you know, another company? That so, uh, as a professional, I actually, it's actually weird. I was just telling one of my friends this, uh, since I turned pro, I feel like the fights have gotten easier, um, which is crazy because clearly, like, uh, even at the level that I'm at, four fights in, these pros are uh, high-level amateurs, if, if you will. Uh, especially the last two were actually the last three guys are actually pretty good. But the first guy, he was just a dude that had fought an amateur or whatever. But you have a longer little time span to work. Whereas when I was an amateur, you had nine minutes. Now you have 15. Uh, if you watch my amateur career, I was going out and shooting double legs and wrestling everybody. Like it's actually really a surprise that I've gone from, if anybody out there has watched, I had nine, nine amateur fights before I turned pro. Uh, I went seven and two and I was going out and grabbing and holding people down. And that was about, it. I think I have like one knockout on my amateur record. Mm. Um, but outside of that, it was chaos. Um, now as, uh, I think this also comes along with getting like more mature and just a little bit older as well is, um, I went from being an athlete to kind of having an athlete that was doing a sport like this when I was an amateur is more of a hobby, mm -hmm. uh, to where now as a professional, like I'm really trying to change my life out here. Like, yeah. Like I'm, I got kids, like I could be like how I view everything is, uh, if you've watched my last fight, I gave like a little speech at the end of like, I do everyone in my life a disservice without putting the work in, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my kids, they can see me a lot more than what they do. My wife, she can see me a lot more than what, but they allow me, I say allow loosely, I'm going to do this one way or the of, or another, but they are cool with me being around a little bit less, knowing that I have a dream. Like uh, one cool thing is my daughter, she kind of understands it. She's eight. Mm -hmm. So she kind of understands. She's like, like when I go and fight, she tells me that she hopes I win so I don't have to go to my job no more because mm -hmm. she knows once I, 
I keep stacking these wins. I keep stacking these wins. I get to chill at home. I get to become a stay-at-home husband and become a trophy husband for my wife. <laughs> but with that, um, I know I need to prepare a certain way. Um, and that preparation is leaving no uh, no stone left unturned, uh, busting my ass in the gym. And whereas when I was an athlete, I was going out there and didn't have the mindset, didn't put the work in, but I was more athletic than everybody that I went across. And now at that point, I'm still kind of more athletic than a lot of the people that I've come across. Mm -hmm. But now I have the mind behind it. Me and Matt talk about the journey of becoming a martial artist. I've become a martial artist now where the joy for me, obviously I like winning, but seeing the fruit of my labor of, okay, I worked really hard this camp. Let me just show that. And the athleticism, when I show what I can do skill-wise, the athleticism kind of enhances that. So when I get out there, I can be free for the most part. I'm already I, I'm already super strong, already super fast. I hit hard. Let me come out here and show what I can do instead of going out there and surviving. Let's, let's have fun because I work really hard at what I do. Even to me, it's a disservice if I don't get to enjoy it some point of this, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and what share the story of what got you into fighting in the first place, because where we met was Matt Brown, the immortal. I believe he's one of the best fighters of all time. Not sure. even a question that 100%. man is. He is a mixed martial artist. And I love that, right? You go from mm-hmm. a uh, a fighter to a mixed martial artist. You yeah. go from like fight or flight to this is a chess match. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's easy for me to say from the couch, but uh, that is one thing I like to pride myself on is I'm not going to go do that, but I personally yeah. can be like, oh, I think that guy's going to be good. For sure. Right? It's like developing from a boy to a man, right? A hundred percent, like exactly so, what it is. But yeah, share the journey on on what got you into fighting. Um, So I had no interest in fighting. Like in high school, didn't, I wrestled didn't really care about like wrestling. I started wrestling when I was a sophomore. Uh, I thought I was a basketball player for the longest time. Super athletic. Um, so like my first step is crazy. I'm like Westbrook's cousin. I can get <laughs> past you. Everything looks good. And then the ball is going to go off the backboard a hundred miles per hour. You play like the football player. Yeah. Fucking run someone over, brick that shit off. A hundred percent. I got a nice hezzy, but it's not going to like, yeah. as soon as the ball's in the air, it's bad. Um, Where'd you go to high school? Only Tangy Liberty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, one day, I think I got cut my sophomore year from the basketball team and I walked out the locker room and the wrestling coach was like, bro, what are you doing? He was like, come wrestle. And so the next day was the practice and I went in there. I got my butt kicked, but I was like, there's something to do and sweet. We got girls that go on like trips with us and everything to like the stat girls and everything. I was like, this is awesome. Um, So fast forward a little bit. Uh, I ended up becoming a state alternate uh, my senior year. So from not knowing where wrestling is, I probably shouldn't even have made state. I got whooped on at sectionals and then turned into a completely different person at districts. Uh, sectionals, for people that don't know what wrestling is, uh, is like they just have a little mini tournament of like your local community. And then you go to districts, which is a little bit larger. Sectionals, I think I got fourth place. Oh, wow. Districts. If you get fourth place in sectionals, you're probably not going to place at districts because now you have a larger pool of people that are just as good. You usually have to get first in sectionals to be like, you're going to place at districts to be able to go to state. Right. So I go to um, districts the next week and I have a cousin, Justin Ferguson, who wrestled at Ashland uh, out north. Um, 
I think he was a all American there. Mm-hmm. I went and spent the week with him practicing because I had honestly never put any. So the thing with me in high school was I was super athletic and never put any effort into anything, which kind of helps me now because now I see what effort does. Um, I was like doing things socially and because I was good athletically, I was kind of gifted things just because I was a better athlete than everybody, uh, which is probably a coach's nightmare because you see like, you're like, man, this dude can, we see what he can do, but he's over here bullshitting half the time. So whatever. Um, but ended up becoming a state alternate, alternate, whatever. Didn't want to do wrestling anymore. Went to Capitol and uh, played football for about six months. I was there. Okay. I was at Capitol. I would wake up in the morning, drink a beer go to football practice, come home, drink a beer, smoke a blunt, go to a class. Maybe it was a real, like I was basically there to play football. Uh, rough time in my life. I was kind of trying to figure things out and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really want to be in school. I never really thought school was like really for me. Mm-hmm. Get kicked out. Cause I wasn't going to class. Obviously like you got to go to class to stay in school and everything. Um, and went back home. Around that time, I started hanging out with uh, one of my best friends from high school, was AJ Dobson. He's been in the fighting, talking about it, doing it. Like, it's been his passion since the day I met him. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit of a shit talker. We're kicking it, and we'd always slap box. And I'm running my mouth a little bit too much. And one day, he hits me up and says, hey, my car broke down. I need a ride to the gym. Yeah, I got you. I can pick you up and take you to the gym, whatever. We drive about 45 minutes. I was like, where's this gym at? He was like, oh, it's out on Bell Fountain. I had no clue where Bell Fountain is. We get there. I'm not driving back because I'm like, man, I got to pick you up. I thought it was going to be right down the street. Oh, I got extra gear for you. Why'd you bring extra gear? I wasn't planning on doing none of this. Oh, because I've been running my mouth. So go in and I don't know if you know who Dan Spawn is. Uh, So Dan Spawn, he's been a long time like pro in Ohio. He's got probably like 30 something fights, just fought on PFL. But uh, he's huge, like 6'2", 6'3", like 205 pounder. That's the first guy I sparred my very first day. And when I tell you he was not nice, now he's a great and awesome guy, but I have never been hit so hard in my entire life. Wham, dropped me. I bounced back up, finished the practice. But all I could think of was, I've never had that happen to me before. Mm. I was hooked. I was like, yo, this is awesome. I don't know what just happened. Everything I've done, I've always been, if not one of the best, capable of being the best. And that was the first time I got put in a scenario where I had no clue what was happening. Got exposed. Got exposed fast. And I was like, oh, all I got to do is just keep showing up and I'll get better at this. Mm-hmm. And AJ was like, yeah. So start training. I think I trained for now everybody out there that wants to be a fighter, listen to this and listen. Well, I trained for a year and a half before I even thought about fighting. Fighting wasn't a interest of mine. I now it's crazy how I say I started uh, I transitioned from being an athlete to a fighter. But when I started the sport, the interest was to learn. I was, I started off as a martial artist and then ego kicks in and you're like, oh, I want to hit people and all this stuff. And that's where the athletic like bravado kind of kicked back in. Uh, but trained for a year and a half and 
I never looked back after that first fight. That first fight, fighting is the craziest drug that you will ever experience in your, I think every dude should have at least one fight. Like, does not have to be in a cage locked in with another? But just one fight in general, just to have that feeling of there's another person on right there that really wants, either wants to defend themselves or really wants to hurt me. And I have to deal with this. I got done with that. And I was like, I'm never doing anything else yeah. with my life ever again. That kind of, sorry, mom and dad. Like, <laughs> but from then on, been in the gym every day. That's amazing, bro. So Bell Fountain, by the way, that's, yeah. that's near my hometown. Shout mm -hmm. out to the 937, baby. Yeah. AJ Dobson, for those that don't know, he's in the UFC, right? Yeah, for sure. Is he one and one in the he's UFC? He's one and two. One soon and two? to be two and two. Two and all right. Yeah. All right. And you guys sparred quite often. You guys are training partners, right? hundred percent. My whole amateur career was, and this is where I say I was an athlete and transitioned to a martial artist. My whole amateur career was me being AJ's training partner for his camps and sparring him. And then me taking a fight because I didn't think anybody was better than AJ. Mm. So like I went a really long time with like no knowledge of fighting outside of like osmosis of, I see him do that. I got to stop him from hitting me in order for him to get good for his, like I have to get better in order to help him. And he's around all these other guys. So I kind of just absorbed stuff that I was seeing. Like uh, Matt was around during, that's how I met Matt okay. was AJ had become Matt's training partner for, I believe the Mike Pyle camp. Mm -hmm. And I think I came around right when they got back from uh, Colorado. And I was just a strong guy out of the group. Like, I think I had known Matt for like a year. At mm -hmm. the, I also trained at Westside Barbell. That's where I do all my strength and conditioning. I used to hang out. They would go in and lift. And I would sit in my car and watch them lift because Westside is an invite-only spot. And I was just some dude that AJ knew. So I would come sit there and I knew that they would leave and go to, this is actually crazy now that I'm thinking about it. I was <laughs> dating a girl and I was supposed to be, in, when I got kicked out of Capitol, I was supposed to go back and go to Columbus State and told my parents I was going to Columbus State. And, and during that whole period of time, I was dating a girl, told her I was going to Columbus State and I was leaving and going to Westside and training and then going to the gym during that class period of time, which that lasted for a while before I was like, hey, I'm what'd, fighting. What'd you tell her? Like, yeah, I was just, I smell a little bad from doing the the homework. I would, oh, I had you know? like some kind of crazy, like I think one of the gyms we had had like a little like mop bucket area type yeah. things. And I worked like right after. So I would like scrub up if I had to see her. Freshen up. And then if not, I would just go to work and then I wouldn't wow. see her till she was back asleep. And then one day she like tracked my, turned my location on on my phone oh, and realized I wasn't downtown at Columbus <laughs> State. Like I was like, yeah, uh, I had to train sometime. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what she thought was happening. Yeah. Like, cause I was fighting, like, yeah. but I wasn't in her mind. I wasn't training. Mm. Who knows? That's all in the past, but I was going up to West side. I would sit out. They would work out for an hour and then I'd hop in the car and then drive to, I think at that point we were at scrap house. Uh, it was a big gym over in Grove city. Mm -hmm. And I would get the training in with the guys. Like, well, I say with the guys AJ would train with Matt, and then when Matt was done training with doing whatever his was, I would get extra work in with AJ. And that was kind of what the process was until one day no one showed up, and I think Matt needed a training partner, and I was there. And that was kind of when I kind of stepped into the fold of, oh, all right, well, we can, he has some kind of use whatsoever. He's strong. He can wrestle a little bit. Mm -hmm. And 
that's how I kind of got into Westside because AJ vouched for me. He was like, hey, this is like my boy. I've known him for forever. He's a good dude. And then ever since then, it's kind of been, uh, those are the guys who kind of raised me in the sport. If I, if, if I were, if to be honest, a hundred percent, like the guys that showed me how everything is supposed to be done, how to go about everything without those two people, like I wouldn't be here in any way, shape or form. I love that. Yeah. Life and, and business and fighting, no matter what you're doing, mentorship is everything, right? hundred percent. A lot of times that, you know, we can get that from our, our parents, but in reality, when it comes to the fight game, like that's, that's a whole different story. So yeah. learning from AJ, learning from Matt, mm-hmm. that's crucial because it can collapse the time of, Hey, here's the mistakes I've made. Uh, that's what mentorship's all about is like collapsing the time of saying, this is how you run a business and, or this is how you throw a leg kick. It took me mm-hmm. a year and a half to figure out how to do this. I want to teach you in an hour and a half. Right. Right. And also too, for those that do not know, Westside Barbell, go check out the Amazon documentary. I think it's on Amazon Prime, I believe, somewhere. Yeah. Westside versus the world. Yeah, Westside versus the world. Holy cow. It's the mecca of powerlifting, strongest people in the world. And not to hate, it seems like it's fallen off a little bit, but- Different direction. Different direction. Different direction. I should be careful. I should use select words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, much respect direction. to Westside Barbell. I'm not, yeah. no disrespect. But the reason why I say that is- uh, I mean, let's face it, man, you got to have a little bit of luck and you've earned it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Dude, you're at Westside Barbell Mm -hmm. training for strength, nowhere better to be. Mm -mm. And from my understanding, you're strong as hell. That's what Matt said. The first thing he said about you was, that's probably the pound for pound strongest person I've ever met. Strongest fighter in the world. Strongest fighter in the world. There we go. And uh, and, and Matt and AJ, Mm -hmm. like- Yeah, I've been really blessed to- uh, when I look back on everything, I had to have been doing something right because every turn and now things have gone off the off the rails at some point in times, having fallen outs with people and everything like that. But like the world, universe, God, whoever you want to say, shows you when you're kind of on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you veer off a little bit and you're trying to work yourself back, there's little things that happen that kind of put like and I've seen tons of fighters that were really talented and everything and like you said a lot of this is luck it's just, i didn't know that aj was going to know matt like yeah. now luck coupled with uh hard work that mean, makes you prepared mm-hmm. like i've seen people meet matt I've seen people not do nothing i'm going to change it's when preparation meets hard work that that's when yeah, you're lucky right for sure and aj could see that in you like he knows you're a hard worker he mm-hmm. knows that you have the skill set he knows that you know you capitalize on it. You drove right. him to the gym 45 minutes away. You went in there and got cracked in the jaw. Right. And he's like, all right, well. And then part of that it. is having those, those, the right people is I can't tell you how many times on, and this is the journey from becoming, going from an athlete to, to a martial artist is how many times AJ has called me and cussed me out for not taking this seriously. And having those people that are, cause I could have friends that were into Martial arts that train and just want to fight. But when you have two people, well, Matt's, it's a, been a life-changing career for him. Matt, AJ, also life-changing career. And how seriously those two take it. And Matt will tell you he don't like fighters. Fighters, fighting is fleeting. You can be a fighter. You cannot be a fighter. You go out, you get injured. You don't want to fight again. You're no longer a fighter. Mm. A martial artist, that's a lifelong journey. 
and having two friends that they fight, but they are actual martial artists. When AJ doesn't have a fight in camp, I've only seen him train three, two to three times a day, fight or not. Like that's what I've known. So me from seeing that, it's almost like you see your dad, not to call him my dad, that's kind of weird, but you, as like a child, you watch the people around you display certain habits. Mm -hmm. So all I've had is seeing those habits. And it's almost like when me being a dad, I show certain things. Me and my dad have talked about this a whole bunch of times. I've only seen certain things from them. So with that, there's certain expectations. So funny story, my first fight, I wanted to skip practice. I wanted to skip practice and go hang out with my girlfriend or some stuff. I've never had AJ talk to me that way ever in my entire life. And what comes from that is, you know, he's, my, I've known him since I was freshman in high school. Did he go to Olentangy too? Went to Olentangy. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, he had to have a conversation with my parents and I've had to have these conversations too. So I understand how serious it is. Yo, Miles didn't want to do this. You're the only person that we know that does this. So make sure our son is good. Mm -hmm. And that comes a little, that comes a little heavy. Like, like, yo, if you go out there and you're half-assing any of this and you're the one that said that you wanted to do this, I have some kind of responsibility as the person that's looking after you or helping you and guiding you on this journey for you to take this serious because I take it serious. And because I take this so seriously, I know what comes along with it. And I don't want to see you go out there and get hurt. And ever since then, now life happens and everything like that, but that changed my whole mental on what this, like what this really is. Like we're really going out there and putting our lives on the line, our, our lives on the line every time. And the preparation for that, you can't go to, go to battle and not be prepared for war. Like it doesn't, this like two plus two has to equal four every, every time. So the being an athlete's cool, but you have to have the preparation in order to get the results. And it's at least, on. at least to be a man, you just shifted my mindset on it. Like I've always said, you know, fighters, 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 but to be a fighter, you can be athletic, but mm -hmm. really what you're saying where you had that mental shift was becoming and evolving and transforming into a mixed martial artist that I'm going to be doing this forever. Sure. I am going to have a quote unquote fighting career, but mm -hmm. I'm a, my identity is a mixed martial artist. hundred percent. It's a craft. It's a art and science versus just going out and knocking guys out in the first yeah. round. hundred percent. And that's where the mindset shift is being around AJ, being around Matt, where you're like, okay. Yeah. This is how, how it's done. This is how you go from amateur to mm -hmm. becoming a more mature man. And yeah. And, and becoming like a real professional and like having seen the background, AJ took me out to Abu Dhabi with him uh, for his, so his, I've been around AJ for like his whole amateur career and it's been a blessing having him take me on when he was on a contender series. So when I go on like on this next run I'm about to go on, it's all actually, and not even this next run, it's currently being able to be in the background and help a one of my best friends uh, chase his dream gave me the, uh, I saw somebody do it. Saw somebody I grew up with. Mm say from one of the first days I met him, I'm going to do this. And then, yo, we go through high school, bet. We go through college, bet. Now we're in adulthood and it's been the same dream this entire time. And I watched him do it. And then at some point he's like, hey, you can do this too. Mm -hmm. And 
might have matter of fact, yo, come on, I'm bringing you with me. And we always laugh. It's like I'm Bubba Gump and he's a forest. And like there's been all kinds of bumps in the road and he's been carrying me. He's like, oh my goodness. We've seen all our teammates fall off the side. There used to be about 10 of us at some point. It was a crew of guys that were all killers. And we've seen people go by the wayside for life happens. Yeah, Uh, It's a really hard sport. There's not a left, like there's, that's why the martial artist has to be there Mm -hmm. because how hard this sport is, you're constantly painting a picture that no one can see. Like, so my wife, my kids, my family, when they look at what I do, they're not in the gym with me all the time. They're not uh, cutting weight with me. They're not seeing all the the injuries. I might not, I might come on. I had a cracked rib this whole last fight. Like the whole camp, very beginning, as soon as I signed my fight, cracked my rib. Had a cracked Mm. rib all camp. Can't talk about it. Because that's an excuse. Like, are yeah. you, you going to fight? Now, I mean, obviously, there's some injuries that you kind of have to deal with and everything. But this is something no one's making me do this. Yeah. No, no one's making me do this. So at a certain point, it's up to me to be able to say, all right, um, if I'm traveling down this path, what's the best option for me to to get to my goal? And I feel as if, it's, there's no excuse but to to work hard for it. Like, yeah, and also it's you're not getting really paid, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're exchanging ten hours of your day, but if you go exchange ten hours of your day working a job, mm-hmm. the household can probably feel it, right? Right. Well, he's you know, dad's not he's here not- right now. He's working hard, but mm-hmm. we're going to go on vacation in two weeks. Yeah. Or you have more Christmas gifts under the tree. Mm-hmm. Whereas with that, that's what I respect the most in the combat sport game and we're starting to see a lot of it now with Connor, Floyd Mayweather, the Paul brothers, the, mm-hmm. the animosity between Dana White and all the craziness we yeah. see on social One media. I used to tell uh, people, because people used to like, especially with how, like when I first started, it was right on the, so I started fighting. How, how old are you? I'm 29. Okay. So I'm thinking it was Ronda Rousey was the big star. Okay. So it was like, End of Anderson Silva-ish, yeah, yeah, beginning yeah, yeah. of that era. Yeah, we're the um, same age, and I think, yeah. That, yeah, I remember. So, around that time, it wasn't, like, they had stars, but it was, like, two, a couple. It wasn't, mm-hmm. like, people were really making careers off this. And what I've always tell people is, I was like, I've, I've talked to my dad a couple of times about it. If I was playing football, we would never have this conversation. Mm. I was like, if I was as good at football as I am at fighting— this wouldn't be a conversation. You would have, I was like, I would be running head first into other people. It's just as dangerous, if not more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you have another dude running just as fast, head first into me, and we're making collisions. Now, because it's a newer sport, Yep. back to, I got off on a tangent of painting that picture. I have to, so I have an idea of what my goal, end goal is, of what this is. And so I might be adding some colors and at some point it might look abstract. Sometimes it might look like this, but my job is to make sure every time I go there, I make sure I'm putting a little bit in there. And so farther down the line, you know, maybe my wife is like, Oh, I see what you're doing. All right, cool. I see. Like, I didn't know what the hell you was doing when, when you first started, but all right, that's an eye. Cool. All right. Bet. And then I might be over here. And then one day my dad might come over like, and I've had these like conversations happen where they didn't understand what I, yo, I had a fight. It's my last loss. I've only had two losses. One, but I fought Josh Fremd. He's a middleweight in uh, the UFC. 
I oh he's in the UFC now. Yeah, he's in the UFC now. He's a six four. He's huge. Yeah. Um, opened my mouth a little bit after a fight and said, "Hey, anybody around can get it, and they want it." I was the number one fighter in Ohio. I used to fight at one eighty five uh, before I dropped down to one seventy. He was the number one fighter in, in Pennsylvania. Now I know I've said a couple of times about the whole martial. He was a martial artist then, and I was I was training in some dude's basement. I got my ass kicked. I walked to the back. Is that the worst ass kicking you've had? In a fight. Yeah. Yeah. In a in a in an actual like in a cage. Outside of that, nobody else's came close. Mm-hmm. Like it's been, yeah, one way traffic. But remember my dad came to the back and he was like, You're about you're probably done with this, right? And I was like, nah. I was like, that was fun. And he was like, I don't, I don't get it. And then he didn't understand. But fast forward to like now and my family kind of knew like what I was putting into into the sport and everything like that. They knew what I was like at that point in time, like I wouldn't go to the gym sometimes. I would go on trips with my girlfriend at the time and stuff like that. But now he sees the work that I'm putting in and where he didn't understand it then. Now he's seeing like, it's like I said, I wasn't putting in, I was always the athlete that didn't put effort in. And then at some point there was a switch where I, I think is I became a man at some point. Yeah. Well, not at some point. I have my kids. Really, like yeah. when it really comes down to it, I'm, I'm fighting for something. Like I want to be able to spend, I have the opportunity to spend more time with them doing something that I love mm. and provide for them doing something that I love, which not many people get to do. I've watched my dad go into a job that he hated for about 28 years just to make make sure we have a good place to live. So now when I go in there, every ounce of my being has prepared for this and now I get to see when I get out of the fight, my dad cries after my fights, which is awesome because now mm. I went from this man asking me, even after wins when I was an amateur, he was like, yo, you still doing this? Like, it's kind of crazy. And he, because he saw, yo, you won off of athleticism, not preparation. Mm. And now you're like, man, my A, my son is a man because I've seen the shift in his mentality. And that only comes with a, I've seen, seen you put that, that work in. Um, so now he's starting to see a little bit of a different part of the picture. Now, I still have a long way to go in my career, but just getting those little people to start seeing what your vision is, because mm-hmm. it's hard. You sound like a crazy person when you're like, yo, I'm not making all that much money, yeah. but eventually I'm going I'm to be able to quit my job and do all this. And people are like, how? What happens when you when you get hurt? Just trust me. Trust me. Well, that's it right there. It's like, that's what I'm saying. You can't really measure. It's a, it's a sport a newer sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's growing rapidly. It's outside of pickleball. Yeah. People playing in their it's backyard. Craziness. It's, I mean, in terms of like legitimate sport, people want to watch on TV and go to, it's the fastest growing sport in the world, mm-hmm. right? right? MMA, UFC, uh, mixed martial arts. So that's what I'm saying is like, if you go put in that amount of time in nearly anything else in a job, yeah. you're going to see it on your paycheck. But what I've witnessed from afar and I, we are just now getting to know each mm-hmm. other way more is like, I, I could even feel that too. I'm like, oh, this guy has a wife and kids. Mixed martial arts, there are a lot more tangible things you can measure mm-hmm. in you as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a son. Right. And now your family's starting to see, oh, even if he makes money or not, gets hurt or not, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Because the man he's become is priceless. Priceless. And and that's, that's forever. Yeah. And- I've had a period of time. So uh, my career has kind of been in two different stints. I had like a, I think it was about two, 
maybe two and a half years where I didn't fight. I didn't have any fights. Um, got sick. I was alcoholic, drinking like crazy. Uh, put on like I was so. If you go on my Instagram, about December of twenty, I want to say twenty twenty, mm-hmm. I was about two hundred and fifty pounds. I have a picture of me there. Um, Damn, two fifty. Two fighting one seventy now. Fighting one seventy now. <laughs> yeah, I was like yeah, solid two fifty, and. During the time, I was a whole piece of shit. Like, just bet. Like, my personality without fighting, I have like, it's just like some angst in me. I pick with people all the time. Wasn't like the nicest person at all. Was drinking crazy, smoking all the time. Just not all that great of a person of what I feel like a good person or who I am is. Wasn't a good representation of myself. And I correlate that. And I actually have to thank him. Is AJ called me talking shit. One day, he was mm. like, yo, I just saw you on Instagram and you look like a stud. And stud is like a manly lesbian, like looking <laughs> girl, like don't cancel me. But that's what he was like, bro, you look like crazy. Like what's going on? He's like, bro, if you don't get your butt in the gym. Mm. And that was fire lit under my ass. Like, yep. bro, like one of my boys calling me and talking shit. Because you were probably picking on people. You were using alcohol and drugs as a deflection of yourself mm-hmm. like well 100 percent. you know i'm gonna pick on you because you know you could beat them up yeah but you're fighting your own war with yourself in your mm-hmm. head a hundred percent you know your external usually shows your internal right exactly and were you married then? yeah and, um we had because covid hit in 20 uh march 2020 we weren't married we were dating and i think we got engaged during that time i think we got engaged right around the time where um Engaged or married? No, engaged during that time. We got married right around the time I started fighting again, or at least training, that is. Okay. And so, shout out to wifey. Yeah, uh, she, she saved, saved my life. Shit, huh? She saved my fucking life. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, she's an angel. How did you guys meet and, and share a little bit more about, like, substance abuse and, yeah. and uh, um, that journey? I met my wife uh, two years older. She was a freshman in high school. I think I was a junior. Um, we just bit, like literally we met and we're inseparable. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. And we never dated in high school or anything, but we were over each other's house like every day. Like if I wasn't at her house, she was at my house. And we kind of, uh, after high school, so I was two years older, I went through the little phase of, oh, I don't want to be hanging out with high school girls and da, 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 da. So we kind of uh, separated and went our uh, separate ways. Because you went to Capitol, which is mm-hmm. here in Columbus. Yeah, which I was right down the street, but yeah, just yeah, different dude, different world. Different world. I'm, like, yeah. I'm in college. I'm trying to do whatever. You're too cool now. Yeah, for sure. I was a dweeb too. <laughs> yeah. like, it was like not cool in any way, shape, or form. But uh, go to Capitol, and I would say, and I, I take full responsibility for like everything. I was a whole, like, I wasn't doing anything that I was supposed to be doing at all. But after Capitol, Capitol's where the drinking kind of started, but getting kicked out of Capitol is kind of where it spiraled. So my life, I was lying to everybody around me at that time. Like I've crazy. I told my girlfriend's uh, family and my parents that I was like still enrolled at Capitol, like up until like a letter got sent home saying that, I was, I was like, tried to move myself back in the dorm and stay there. Just crazy stuff trying to not, based on my personality and who I am and who I've been in my family and my friends, me not fulfilling going to college and being a college student was like, in my head, I was letting everybody down. So that was a lot of pressure. 
In your head, you're letting everyone down. Right? Yeah, in my head, I was letting, no one ever like said that, but it's all, all in your head. Everything yeah. is literally what you make it in your yeah, own bro. head. Yep. Like that's so important is just knowing that all your thoughts are literally your thoughts. Like no one can, you could feel however, however you feel, but if you tell yourself opposite and tell yourself enough, you'll start to convince yourself. Yep. During that period, I was uh, dating a girl, wasn't a, the greatest. I was a whole piece of shit. Uh, I don't think she was necessarily the greatest person I, either, but that clash dur during that time, we were both in like tumultuous uh, periods of our lives and trying to maneuver that while being young didn't help. I was coming home, wasn't happy, drinking a bottle a day at, at some point. Um, would come home, she's not happy with me, I'm not happy with her, go out for the whole weekend, having benders, going and training. Like, I would go out, uh, get drunk, wake up, train, train hungover, and all this stuff. And training at that point in time, so I'm really strong now because I was so miserable then. Like, training at that point in time was an escape. So I'd go and just torture myself. Like, we'd go into West Side, you know, 600 on the bar, cold, just pull it. Just, mm -hmm. just got a lot of angst and stuff I needed to get out. And luckily, my body shut down on me one day. And I say luckily because it made me sit down and have to figure a whole bunch of stuff in my life out that I wouldn't have. And luckily, my wife came into my life and helped me be able to, I had someone I could talk to about everything that was going on. But- Fighting, putting off everything, still drinking. And it wasn't that at a certain point, it wasn't drinking a bottle a day. It was just the habit of drinking. And I, I think I was having a conversation with my wife when I finally realized that I had a habit of drinking. I was thinking I was on my way from work one day and I was like, I'm just going to stop and get a beer. And I had no, uh, why? And it was like, I was on the phone with her and I was like, why am I getting a beer? And she was like, oh, you just get a beer every night. And I was like, I get a beer every night. And she was like, yeah, but she didn't even think anything of it. And in my head, I was like, damn, I don't, I thought I was doing better because I wasn't drink, I wasn't getting drunk every night, but it was still something in my head was telling me I need to go do this. From that point on, now I, I go out and drink every once in a while. Not like I don't get, get drunk, so I'll have, but I stopped drinking for like a year and a half, two years. Like can't touch it because I wanted to break that habit of feeling like, I need that. Mm -hmm. Like every time I get home from like being stressed or something, I need a beard to help me. And now at this point, like I have a daughter. So not, uh, why do I need a, a beard to hang out with my, with my daughter? That's just fucking weird. Yeah. Like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Because one thing you'll see, and I'm not a parent, mm -hmm. right? Well, I do have a four legged dog. So, uh, you know, yeah. I value him just as much as a For human sure. being, if not sometimes more. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I've recognized People will say, man, I'll kill for my kids. Mm -hmm. I'll kill for my significant. I'll die for them. Right. But they won't live for them. No. At all. Like, I, everything I do is for them. Like, here, being, like, literally everything. I don't have, once you have, and I can't speak for everybody because everybody's situations are, are different. My sole purpose is to provide and make sure I give them the best life. And my wife. Like, without... Without them, I wouldn't be, yeah, I probably wouldn't damn near be alive. Who, who mm -hmm. fucking know? I was wild. Like, bro, <laughs> I was wild. Like, naturally, I'm a wild boy. And 
I say, luckily, my body shut down because during that two-year period, I was able to go to therapy, had some family issues that weren't resolved, aren't really resolved, but still able to get those conversations going of how to, what may got Miles to this point and how can we change that? How can we mitigate that? During that, I found out I'm manic as hell. Like, I will be, fights are the greatest thing ever because I get to be free like that's one thing like during that period like I was talking to my therapist and she was like well when are you like happy happy and I'm like hanging with my kids and everything she was like well like that's what you're supposed to say but she was like something that doesn't have to do with anyone else when you're the I was like yo when I'm in the cage like that is like the greatest thing ever and she was like well why don't you go go train I was like ah but I've like fat and da 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 and started having those conversations of trying to figure out, all right, well, what's, what are, all right, this is the positive. You're, when you fight, you're happy. What's the negative behind it? All right, well, after the fight, when I don't have anything, I've gotten really sad trying to figure out, oh, okay, so you have a big, big swing of emotions. How do we go about uh, dealing with that? That's why we were talking earlier where I can't get too riled up. Now, on fight night, big smile. I used to, it used to be crazy, running around all animated, yelling and screaming and everything. I can't do that because, like, because I'm manic, if I do that too early, woof, and by the time I, when I fought Josh Fremd, I was, I thought I could run through an army of elephants that day. And then as soon as the cage, there's a, a law when you get into the cage and you lock it and there's like a little thing, all of it went away. Mm-hmm. Like, my emotions will swing fast. And I realized, okay, this is something I enjoy. Uh, How can I uh, mitigate that? So I try and um, knowing how my brain works, make it as normal-ish as possible. Like this is something I get to enjoy. It's like uh, having a birthday party. Like, oh, cool. Or not a birthday party, like a recital. I've Mm -hmm. been practicing this for however many months, weeks, and I get to show my mom and dad the my little macaroni thing. So that kind of takes the the bigness of what we're about to do Mm -hmm. and brings it down to somewhere that's manageable. That's why I can go in there and in my head, it feels like chaos. But when you look at my body and everything, my body's able to react so calm because before it used like I would in my head, because it's a fight, like fights are crazy. I got, I don't know what this dude's about to do. He might like, damn, he actually showed up. Like I've had a lot of people not show up to the fights. So you get there. You're like, man, I had three people like not want to fight me. I thought I was the scariest dude ever. And this dude doesn't think I'm, he actually showed up. He must not think he, yeah. and he's been practicing somebody, something to hurt me with. But when I'm there and I'm just showing what I've done and what me and my friends have worked on, it makes it a little bit more uh, manageable in my, in my brain. Even the after part, like when I used to get riled up and if you didn't react a certain way after my fight, I'm like, bro, what's up with you? Yeah. Like, like. Like, oh, you just see what I did? Like, yeah. whatever. But it's 15 minutes worth of worth of time. Like, everything else around it is much more important. Like, making sure that my my mental health is, is in check. Making sure my wife's mental, like, the people around me, making sure they're good. Like, during that period, I became a much better person. Like, I'm a, I started pouring, trying, or trying to. It's still a work in progress pour into the people that pour into me. Like I have so many people around me that want the best for me. And for me to not give them that back 
isn't fair to them. And there was a long period of time where there wasn't any of that. So now I'm trying to double down and change like everybody in my, my, my close circle. I'm trying to change all their lives. They're going to travel the world off of heads that I'm knocking off the shoulders. They're going to be able to, yo, I tell all my wife's friends, like they're going to get shopping sprees off of, <laughs> off of boom. Yeah. We're going to go, go spend that 50 K bonus real quick. Here's the thing though, is, is, uh, whether that happens or not, you are, I think, making the most impact by doing what you love. Mm -hmm. Because the real ones that love you, sure, they want that shopping spree. But in reality, you could be sparking that yeah. inspiration in them, like AJ and Matt's mm -hmm. done for you. 100%. Uh, like watching your dad work 28 years, a job that he hated. It's like, well, you, you could have potentially sparked it in me by showing the way mm -hmm. and providing for us kids, because you were doing what you love. Right. And I think a lot of people forget that. It's like, well, I'm doing all this for my kids and my wife. And it's, no, you should actually, maybe you're doing it all for you. And then you can inspire them to do things all for yeah. them as this well. It's like my little selfish little thing. Because again, like I've said. Which it's not selfish because you're, you're going to be able to show your kids when they watch this. True. Right? And, and they see the journey like, you know what actually like fired me up? Mm -hmm. My dad went and fought. Yeah. And did something that was crazy and different. And, and, and he could have just got a, a degree at capital mm -hmm. and got a normal job. That's why I'm going to go pursue this dream. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's how I'm going to make all this money or do all these things and make the, the massive impact. I think people get, uh, get that twisted mm -hmm. and, uh, you're doing the two hardest things I think people can do, which is, uh, public speaking right now, right? Yeah. This, I view this as like public speaking. Uh, people fear public speaking more than they do death mm -hmm. and being a mixed martial artist. Cause yeah. I tell you right now, I was, I sparred you for two minutes and I said, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the podcast. Yeah, man. Um, it's, it's back, an awesome life to live. Back to the frequency. Mm -hmm. I view frequency and, uh, what you were talking to mm -hmm. your therapist about and what you've discovered is if you can picture a guitar string, right? Like when, when a guitar player like, you know, pulls a string and it vibrates and makes the noise, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I think our energy is and our frequency is. Or maybe a better explanation, if you guys ever done MDMA, any Somali, that's a prime example. Yeah. You have this massive dopamine and then mm -hmm. the next day you're in a oh my goodness. depressive state. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's how fighting can be. It's like the most intense dopamine rush. It's crazy. And then you're- uh, I literally don't sleep like after my fights, I'm like, it was probably after this blast fight, it was probably like 24 hours before I like saw a pillow. That's I sat in the hotel room like this. Yeah. <laughs> like my wife was knocked out and I was like, I don't know what, what to do. Rep out <laughs> some pushups. Or yeah. Something <laughs> like it's, it's such a, such a highest of all highs. And then reality. Like I, like I, I work at T-Mobile. I had to go back to work on Monday and have a lady cuss me out because she was logged out of her Facebook. Yeah. Like, like it's such a, such a swing, but it keeps you humble because on Saturday, I am Superman. You can't tell me anything. And then, hey man, right back into back the T-Mobile. And that's why I had to figure out how to manage mm. everything because before that swing used to be drastic. It used to, instead of going back to normal, it used to go back to like sad. It was like, bro, you just had a great weekend. Like, yeah. But. See, dude, that's what I'm, that's, that's why I love having you on, having like Mad Max on. And, uh, you know, he's got, uh, I'm curious to learn more about like the contracts mm -hmm. and how you 
decide UFC or the PFL or what's Mad Max? Uh, Bellator. Bellator. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but what no one, I don't think talks, I mean, it's becoming more relevant mm-hmm. now, but 99.9% of professional fighters have a job. Yeah. A fucking nine to five. It's crazy. Or a 24, seven, three, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah. That is what people do not comprehend. Like if you were, again, to reiterate, if you were, putting this amount of time and energy at your job at T-Mobile, you'd probably be managed in the store then eventually, uh, you know, growing into a regional manager mm-hmm. and all this. So that's what I respect, man. Yeah. Like the amount of respect I have for you and other fighters that are going to, you know, listen and watch this is, uh, you got my thumbs up that people don't, people forget that. Yeah. People forget that. It's a wild, yeah, I feel like it's changing as far as like what the fighters are getting and the compensation. But um, I look at Sean O'Malley. So Sean O'Malley is, to me, one of the ideal blueprints of how, now it's hard because there's a lot of goes into the Sean O'Malley machine, like the color and every, the colored hair and everything, mm-hmm. the tattoos. Um, he's a, he's like a, like a peacock, I guess. Like he's <laughs> like, when he walks in the room, he's going to stand out. Mm-hmm. But he fought, and I might be wrong, don't fact check me on this, is he fought out each contract, but was fighting people on similar contracts as him. So as far as like pay and everything like that, he built himself up. So one thing I feel like MMA fighters do and is a disservice is like kind of what we're doing right now is uh, taking those steps to make sure before you get to the big show that you have a brand to, to live off of. Um, What I've seen him do is when he got to the UFC even off of the contender series, the contender series happened. Boom. Sean O'Malley's a superstar. He sat down, was like, all right, I need to start capitalizing on this before I even get into the UFC. He got a website. I think he dyed his hair immediately, started getting uh, different tattoos, everything that he happened. Started, he started streaming. Started streaming immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to capitalize on all this stuff right now. And that allowed him because how how his fight happened, and then his first couple fights allowed him to boom as a star. And now I don't need fighting to, for money. Yep. Now I can fight. No, I don't want to fight him. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know why am I fighting uh, this superstar for $10,000? It doesn't even, doesn't even make any sense. Now, on the other hand, there's uh, Cody Garbrandt got to the belt on a, on a rookie deal. Now, that's nice because you you're a champion, like you're making championship money really fast, but you're also in deep water off rip. And you're young and trying to learn your skill sets. Now the game is a little bit different to where some guys are a little bit more developed earlier in their careers than they are later, which I believe Cody was really developed really early in his career. But how Sean O'Malley's doing it is now my skills can develop while I'm actively going into the UFC and in before I get there, I can make sure I'm I'm ready before. He, they were calling for him to fight for the title early, yep. like really early. And he was like, no. I'm before the Peter Yan fight, right? Before the Peter Yan fight. Yeah. Like they were trying to have him fight those type of guys really early in his career. And because he had all this other stuff going on, you know, he's not desperate for money. Yeah. Um. So yeah, his, his YouTube channel will make him probably 10 times more than UFC contracts than ever UFC will. Than UFC contracts will. So he still gets to go have that exhilarating experience and fight and doing everything and 
really do it for the love, not because, oh, man, I don't know if my bills are going to get paid. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. So, um, I don't know if, if you've heard. I got my own little t-shirt company, yeah. uh, Don't Melt. Um, so, quick little story about, like, what Don't Melt means. Um, I've kind of talked about, like, my mental health and everything like that. But originally, I wrestled in high school. Uh, I went to Olin Tangy Liberty. Uh, it's a predominantly white area. When I was in high school, I went to wrestle. I believe it was a kid from Walnut Ridge, which is inner city Columbus. Another black kid. Uh, one of the coaches on the staff came up to me and was like, hey, man, you got to get out of the first period. He's like, uh, he's going to get tired. Chocolate melts. I was like, <laughs> now I'm a high, like 16-year-old high school kid. Yeah. I was like, that's a little weird thing to say, but whatever. <laughs> and I shit you not, went out and then you First period, super explosive. Second period, super tired. Took him down, pinned him. But when I got a little bit older and started fighting, I heard someone say that in reference to me. And I was like, bro, what? What the fuck does that mean? And he was like, oh, you know, black guys, they're super explosive in the first period. And then after after that, can't really do nothing. They get tired. And I was like, oh, it's chocolate melts. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's, and, and he was another wrestler. So it was like a commute and he wrestled somewhere completely different than Olin Tangy. So I was like, oh, it's like the community of wrestling kind of has that idea about. Where did he wrestle at? Um, I believe it was Hilliard or something okay. like that. It was like a kid that went to Hilliard or something yeah. like that. For those that don't know, it's just another area of Columbus, but across town. Yeah, across town, but completely different coaching staffs yeah. and stuff like that. So. As a fighter, I was like, yo, y'all aren't going to have that perception of me. Like, and because of how I look, I'm real muscular, explosive. And that's kind of, if you see me, you're going to think that. At that point in time, I had originally started running like half marathons. And my slogan was chocolate don't melt and all this stuff. I think I went by like Hershey at the time. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, just trying to like build some stuff up and everything. As life happens and everything, you start to my own little call, calling card of like chocolate don't melt started influencing my life of just in general. Like, yo, you an alcoholic dog. Are you going to let this, let this take you out? Uh, shit, you, uh, just broke up with your girlfriend. She kicked you out of, out of, out of the apartment that y'all are in. Yo, dad don't really want to talk to you. Sister don't want to talk to you. Uh, you don't even know your car might get repoed cause whatever, just life happening. It being like a cardio thing changed into like a mindset is it, am I going to let this stuff melt me? And to be honest, I made the first t-shirt and had the idea of what I wanted it to mean. And I wore the first, me and my wife were walking in the mall and I saw a place I had the design done. I walked into a place and had the first t-shirt done and I wore it. I think I wore it out of the mall and I had this old lady come up to me and she's, I really like what that means. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, don't melt. She's like, I kind of, I like that. And I was like, that's interesting that someone without, like, I, mm -hmm. I, literally the first shirt I made came up and was like, I I like that. Without any, it was an old white lady. She had no connotation of, of what I got it from or anything. Yeah. She was like, that really means a lot. That's cool. Mm. And now that I've gone through the experiences that I've gone through and everything like that, it's a little reminder to myself of, yeah. like, when I'm on, on the, when just things get tough, when things get hard, you have to have some kind of mental fortitude to know that once you get through there, once you get to the other side, as long as you keep yourself together just a little bit, everything's going to be all right. 
It's not about working hard because sometimes you're, you're tired. It's just making sure you hold yourself accountable, keep yourself together, because as long as you put that that one foot in front of the other, everything, everything will be all right eventually. Um, and that's just a reminder to myself. Now, everybody can take their own little meaning from it, but that's kind of where it comes from. And then also, I like looking good. So yeah, you why, dress well. Like yeah, I try, I try. I'm gonna try my best. Um, so, so, you, so you have a you have don't melt. That's your apparel line, right? Yeah, for sure. Nice. That keeps you. I'm sure something exciting to do outside of work yeah. and outside of the gym and mm-hmm. and uh, coming back to like building your identity, building your brand. It's it's way better. What I'm hearing from this is mm-hmm. is you're going you know fast for sure, right? Yeah. Like you're you're not going slow by any means, but one thing I've discovered as well in life and business and, you know, literally the name of my podcast show and my brand all for nothing is ensuring that you're not doing this all for nothing. It's mm-hmm. way better to go slow and steady in the right direction than really fast in the wrong direction. Correct. So building that apparel line that aligns with your identity, you understand the the ins and outs of the power of brand. Mm-hmm. You understand that, uh, yeah, if I have these opportunities, I'm going to capitalize in the octagon, but right. there's, unlimited opportunities outside of the octagon. So much respect for being self-aware of that Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there can be, you know, mixed martial artists or not, I think there can be insecurities with anyone in any type of business doing any type of job of like, Oh no, I'm a I'm a fighter. I'm not getting on YouTube. A hundred. I was one of those guys for the longest time. Like me talking to you in my brain. Like I'm naturally an introvert. Mm-hmm. So me, I always think I sound like an idiot when I talk. And then people are like, "No, you're actually pretty like pleasant and easy to speak speak with." But like in my head, it's like, "Oh, it's not supposed to be, like fire. Supposed to be quiet and like the samurai like type yeah. thing. We don't speak and da da da." But if I don't speak for myself who's going to know my story no one's going to tell my story if i don't tell it if someone does tell my story they're not going to tell it the right way Mm -hmm. uh and b if i don't represent myself no one's going to know what i stand for yep so that's if you don't write your story bro someone Mm -hmm. else will try 100 percent. and i want to make sure the story is told right every time yep yeah that's why i love doing this outside of uh you know us connecting it gives you know the guest gives me the opportunity like it's bigger and better than than just what we're doing right now. Meaning, what a weird time that we're living in that our family members and friends and uh, future generations going to be able to go back and unless the robots take over and AI takes right. over and they wipe all this. But <laughs> it's just cool. You Like, we're in it right now, man. 29-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, males yeah. in, in Ohio, like, Ohio against the world, baby. Ohio against uh, the world. We're, we're in the process right now. And a lot of people, uh, I believe, are insecure mm-hmm. to share while in the process. We want to be these all-stars and make all this money and make make this big name, then share. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. way better to share in the process. People ap- appreciate the result when they know the progress that it took or the process that it took to get to there. Like, you might, the cake might be super tasty, but if you didn't understand like how long it took grandma to make that, she made everything from scratch, made, it put everything in it, how much work it really took in. Like she didn't have a stove. She had to like go make a fire with this in order to get this cooked. You're like, oh, grandma really put some work into to that cake she made. With Without that, you just take things for granted. Mm-hmm. And 
it's upon us. So fighters always get into, and people in general, when you get a result and people don't, don't get, like I said, after some of my fights, I used to get upset when people didn't have the, the right reaction to it. No one knows how much work, like they don't care. Like, bro, you could have, to the average person, I could have just showed up, signed up for a fight and not to do doubt. They have no clue mm-hmm. all the work that, why it's important to me. If I don't tell them why it's important to me, I don't care. Just another dude that, like, there's a bajillion of us that are doing. There's a fighter that wakes up or, or a guy that wakes up that wants to fight every day. I have to, outside of skill and and result, I have to separate myself somehow, some way. And without using my words, there's no way for me to do that. Yeah. And why do you care about those people's reaction? I'm trying to put money in my kids' pockets, to be honest with you. But the reason why I asked that question mm-hmm. is you probably discovered, which I yeah. think is what you're saying. It clicked one day where you're like, wait, why do I care if my buddy John reacts a certain way or not? I'm not right. doing it for John. A hundred percent. I'm doing this for me and doing my family. Doing this for me and my family. And yeah. That's, that's like, why would I care about what someone thinks about me on the screen right. or whatever comments they want to say? Like, I'm doing this to get to know you better. Yeah. That's that. For sure. I care less. If anyone mm-hmm. watches this, I'm like, I know Miles. Yeah. Even more now. Right. And I know that he created Don't Melt. Sure, he wants to sell. He wants to make some money off mm-hmm. the apparel line. No, no, no. He made this as a reminder for himself. Right. Number one, I made the name all for nothing to ensure every day, every episode, every week, every year, I can look back and say, I didn't do all this random shit for nothing. Yeah. And the coolest thing, I think, about taking the step out and putting like the shirts out there and everything is when a friend of mine is out and they see the shirt and it's somebody that has no clue who I am. Mm. That is the coolest thing. Like I'll, every once in a while I'll get like a text message or somebody at like a gym or something like, Hey bro, I see somebody like, and they go up. My friends are a little weird. Like they'll ask you like how you know me. Yeah. Like they're like, Yo, you know, miles as if like, I don't, so I'm like, I have a business. Like I sell the stuff other than like stuff yeah. other than to just you guys, but they're a little protective, but they're like, Oh, you know, miles mm-hmm. who's miles. And then they'll text me. Hey, I saw some dude wearing your shirt out. And I'm like, he don't even know you. It has no clue. <laughs> Cause in my head, where, where we talk about the insecurities is I have people that are friends that care about me through the lens of fighting. Mm-hmm. So, the support is because I get to say Mazov. I got family that that like that didn't come to my wedding, but let me fight. They posting everything all over. Um, if you lose, if you never win again, yeah. Which you know, hey, we don't need, we wood. don't need a knock on wood. We don't need any luck. Yeah, but uh, you, you know, yeah, they, they ain't for gonna, sure. They they don't exist anymore. <laughs> and but seeing people that so some people have like the shirts from. Oh, they just want me because I fight or whatever, whatever. But what I think is cool is when people purchase the shirts or wear it in something and they have no idea. Because it was something that was like a real clash with me was me being involved with not Don't Melt because obviously I'm running it. But me having my face attached to it. I wanted it initially to be something completely separate from fighting whatsoever. Because I didn't want the people to buy it just because I fight and then I stop fighting and then people don't buy it anymore but even with me fighting and it's still kind of being tied in with me the fact that people that have a no interest in fighting don't know that i fight they just see the message Mm -hmm. and even if it's like the messaging is just the don't melt and that 
resonates with them in some way, shape, or form is cool to me because that just means that something that I put out and like the energy that I put out into the world is resonating with someone that has no idea who I am, what I do, but they know what I'm about. Yeah, it could be an author. Mm -hmm. It could be a farmer. It could be anyone. It could be someone across the world that that message can apply to them. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I just don't melt. You know, I got to, I got to get through this day Mm -hmm. or I have to go show up and, and uh, get results. Right. And what do you, have you gotten any uh, like negative feedback from fellow fighters that see you with Mm -hmm. the apparel line? And do you have other businesses and things you have going on? So what we're adding on, we're adding on a service to actually with the other fighters, like actually they've loved it. Mm -hmm. So we're in that age where people are trying to get more branding and everything. So actually, my last fight, uh, my uh, good friend Walter Cy uh, Savane, he's, uh, I train up at Strong Style as well okay. up in Cleveland, and we fought on the same card as, as each other. And I was able to um, design some stuff for his, his shirts for his fights. Oh, nice. So what we're, which is cool because I'm learning stuff while trying to build my own brand. I'm learning that I can help others build theirs and different stuff that avenues, like we said, like there's so many avenues outside of fighting that you can tap into. So I was already like, I make my shirts by hand. Like I get the shirts, I press everything, do all the, everything together all by myself, do shorts and all kinds of stuff. Um, But with that, I'm making my own. So why not help my friends that want their own stuff that may never have even thought about doing it? Because again, some fighters are new to do the whole I want to look cool and all this stuff. And we're doing it a little bit different. I like streetwear clothes. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fighters just go get the regular little Hanes t-shirt and put their stuff on it. I want you to be able to wear my stuff out. Because otherwise, if you're just wearing it for my fight, that's not bringing any brand awareness to me or my company or anything like that. I want you to be able to, yo, you see uh, people wear football jerseys Mm -hmm. out, basketball jerseys out. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Why can't I put my face or my branding on a t-shirt and you wear it because it's Saturday and you want to look good. So being able to get other fighters into that to where, yo, all right, what kind of design do you want? What kind of theme do you want? Let's get that figured out. Uh, When do you want to drop it? All that other, just kind of helping other fighters build their branding. Yep. Right now I've done, Walter was the first person that we did. Uh, We're working with Lucas Siebert. That's going to be mm-hmm. the next one. We're going to work on doing some designs for them, but kind of get the ball rolling. He's he's the uh, wrestler from, from like West, West Virginia. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's from Westerville. He trained at Immortal for a while. Okay. Uh, he was one of Josh Pereira's like main training partners, but he uh, recently moved to Pittsburgh okay. and trains out of Stout over there. Um, but Why did he go there? I believe his girlfriend got a job, and then he just hit it off with the training there. He gets okay. like, one thing about fighting is like some of the, like training can be good, but sometimes it's personalities that click with you. Yeah. Like uh, Matt has trained me since I was young and people get confused as to why I travel up to Strong Style. Strong Style's personalities and the people in there is like family. Not to say Matt isn't family, but I have two families. It's like I have two, yeah. like I got my mom's side of family and my dad's side of family. Yeah. Like I stay here, Columbus is my home, but there's something that I get from Strong Style that I can't, get here just 
it's just something that I need. Like I've kind of found the recipe that works for me. Um, and I feel like the same thing kind of happened to Lucas when he's in town, he trains at immortal, but since he lives in Pittsburgh, there's something to be said for having those coaches to where it's, when you're in a fight, sometimes like I've had coaches in my corner where I can't hear their voice and they're right there. Mm. And then I know with uh, Alex and Marcus and all of them at Strong Style, when I'm in the cage, I can't hear the crowd in any way, shape, or form. Their voice is I can have a conversation with them. Like their voice cuts through everything and I can't replace that. Like I, I can't. And then also the training. The training is awesome too. Mm -hmm. But with that, you kind of have to find that. And I feel like when Lucas went to Pittsburgh, he found it was like, oh, I don't really need to. I don't need to look for that anymore. And some people spend their whole careers trying to find that. And that's a blessing for him. Or it's like picking your favorite sports team. It's like you, it's so tribal that no, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only going to stay at this gym. Right. And it's like, you don't need to burn a bridge. A hundred percent. You can keep that bridge there. Yeah. You know, you can keep sure. that relationship open. And I'm lucky <clears throat> that I have the community around me to where they work together. And cause some gyms it's like, it's all, there's a lot of machismo to where like, yo, no, you're my guy and no, you're my guy. But they, I say a lot, I'm a grown man. I'm gonna do what I want. But without having that, that internal battle of, all right, well, I go up here two times a week. I hear the rest, rest of the times. Can we work this out to where everybody's on the same page? All right. So I go and work with Matt. I come up here. This is what I'm working on. Cool. Having that uh, community to where they work together in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's not like they're calling each other on the phone or anything, but having that to where I don't have to think in the back of my mind whether someone's upset at me for, like, yeah. going and training at a different— Like you owe them something. Yeah, for sure. It's like— Which, like, at the end of the day, when I get get to where I need to get to, I'm taking care of everybody. Yeah. But at a certain point, y'all got to—if we have a recipe that's working, we got to—like, it's team—it's a team sport, but we're team miles. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're all coaches, a part of my team, and we fall under this this larger umbrella. So let's all work together and get this goal that we're trying to get together. And people will come and go, like you've already said. People will come and go, mm -hmm. and, and there's no ill intent on your end. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, you, so you're helping out other fighters now, right, that are, like, you know, kind of yeah, coming up. And, for sure. and they want to, you know, start monetizing. First off, build a brand, mm -hmm. you know, personal and business you're collapsing the time on getting them to understand how to, you know, look at the end of the day, it's mm -hmm. more than just selling a t-shirt. There's more yeah. that goes into it than that, uh, which is really cool. Or some of these guys starting to make some, are you making some money from it? Yeah. Um, nice. I just did. So how we're doing it now is we're doing like limited drops, uh, similar ish, like to like how Supreme ish does like their mm -hmm. stuff to where, so what I, I've tried to drop Don't Melt beforehand and I've kind of like bumped my head a couple of times trying to do it. Sure. And what I found is A, doing the limited drops gives me the opportunity of giving the creative freedom of figuring out what I want to do. I had made shirts that I didn't like wearing and like I'm like looking good. So like I made shirts just to have them done for at one point and made a whole bunch of them and they sold, but I don't like seeing people walk around with stuff that, I wouldn't wear myself. Yeah. So doing the limited drops to where we aren't making that many gives us the autonomy to go ahead and find what, like, yo, what kind of shirt do you like to fit? Like, how do you like your shirts to fit? Whatever it is. What kind of design do you want? How do you want it broken down on, on the shirts? Do you want to do shirts and shorts? Do you want to do items? Um, 
just the ability to do whatever you want as far as this and not having to worry about the overhead of, man, I got to get these. Cause that's some of the, like the rough part is you spend the money to get these shirts made. Yeah. You have inventory. You don't sell them and you don't sell them. Yeah. So instead of doing that, let's do these limited drops and we can change it, customize it as much as we want. Um, I can change the design on this one. I don't have to remix this design every time or resell these shirts for two fights in a row because I have all these left over. I can take my time, get these off. If I want to do another one because you missed out, all right, we can do another run if we want to. Yeah. But otherwise, and getting that is getting the, the, uh, the, I say customer, but your fans as a fighter to want to come back in. Oh man, I got the first, the first fight shirt that miles dropped. Yeah. All right, cool. I had somebody come and get one of their shirts signed wow. from me, which was awesome. Cause I didn't even think that that was the thing. They're like, yo, I'm not wearing this. I want to sign. Yeah. Cool. So now when you drop your next one, now it's a collector's item. Uh, things like that. I think it's really cool that people are able to put clothing out now and the resale market is crazy as it is, but it is a thing. So the, how I view things is if I put a shirt out, right. And now that don't melt is kind of tied to me as a person, as my career goes, that first shirt that someone has somewhere down the line, it's going to be cool when I go to stock X or grailed or something. And my shirts are going for a couple hundred dollars, thousand dollars, all because of a, I only made a couple of these mm -hmm. and B Lord willing, my star, my star power, who I am at that point in time has grown as well. And maybe I'm not the one that does it, but maybe you are. Yeah. Maybe you have a bigger audience or maybe you are, but let's figure that out now while we have, it's just like doing the podcast now where, all right, let's get prepared for when we have all those eyes on us. Let's get good at speaking publicly. Yeah. Let's get do good at this. So while we're on these local stages, let's get good at making merch. Let's figure out how we, man, can we take this into, like, I didn't know that it was an option for me to take my own shirts into some of these fight shows. Some of these, mm. uh, some of these regional promotions mm. are completely cool with, now it comes with being, good i guess but i had a, a promoter a fighter two ago find like i had people at the shows with my shirts on he was like hey if you fight on another one of our cards set up a table mm -hmm. but things the different avenues that you have to make money as a fighter that if you don't take that step to build a brand that their closed mouths don't get fed if i never would have showed up with shirts he never would have said anything about that being available yeah and i think the major upside, what you said as well, at least what I'm hearing and mm -hmm. coming to my conclusion on my end is like, well, if you don't do it, yeah, you can inspire and, inspire and, and help someone that, mm -hmm. that might, right? That like, might. You know, if, if Lucas, for example, down in Pitt, Pittsburgh and, and he goes on a run and you help him with the merch, there's more, there's more to it than just, you know, selling t-shirts yeah. for you, mm -hmm. right? Right. Hey, maybe it didn't work out for me, but yeah. I helped this guy. And- to go back to that that period of when I wasn't fighting, that is one thing that I've taken and tried to run with is people have friends, but you need to have be, I try and be that friend that pours into his other friends. If I have information and I have this business or whatever going on, if I'm not helping my, if he has a question, it's, I'm not being a good friend if I hold back 
stuff that I, that I know now that could be critical, like criticisms or whatever it is, but I need to help the people around me become better people. And if you have a community that's all like that and you make that normal, everyone grows. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you end up with a, with a jungle from a garden. Like Mm -hmm. everything helps breed that environment. And if you don't have that good environment around you and help, so maybe some people have their own stuff going on. Maybe they're in that period where they're not a good person or whatever. But I know I had people that poured into me to help me get out, get out of that. Now I feel like fighting is one of the vessels that I have to show how to get out of that. Mm. And like, I have some friends that guys don't talk. You know what I'm saying? Like guys don't really talk about, and I feel like, especially like platforms like these, uh, don't melt and everything. I've kind of opened it up a little bit to where I've seen like personal friends kind of open up and talk to me about different things. Hey man, I got this business I started and man, I feel like a piece of shit. Cause like I've, I'm, I'm working, money's good, but like, I know I want to do this and I don't like, how do you feel about that? Or man, I've been sad and I, and I don't know why, man, or just stuff like that. And I feel my responsibility because of the things that I've gone through and the platform that I'm getting is making that more normal because that builds stronger men, men crying, men being sad, men asking for help, men, uh, talking to each other, men telling each other that they love the love each other. I tell my friends, I love you. Like I get off the phone. I love you, bro. And that like, that wasn't normal for a long time, but you need that. Like it makes like, me getting into the cage is so much easier yeah. because I know I have this community around me that when lost, draw, or indifferent, I know the people that are around me love me Yeah, and remind me daily. My wife tells me I'm the best in the world. My best friends tell me they love me. They care about me. My family, my kids are all going to be there. And me providing that for somebody else, I feel like that helps make life just a little bit easier. Because if I don't tell you I love you, who's going to tell you? You might not have heard that for a while. And it started off as like a joke, but I really like mean that stuff now because we need more of it in the world. And and not even easier, just more more enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, hey, because uh, I'll never forget when one of my buddies, uh, shout out to my boy Jay, he was like that first male friend that was like, mm-hmm. I love you, bro. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the fuck did you just Yeah, say? it feels weird. Like, you fucking bitch. What? Yeah. <laughs> but then in reality, it's just you being insecure, mm-hmm. right? And it's and, and not a better person to learn it from than you. It's like, oh, I'm a man. Mm-hmm. If you think that beating someone up is a man, then right. I'm a man. But in reality, there's way more to it. Way more man. to it. Being a husband, being mm-hmm. loyal, being faithful, uh, being a good dad. Yeah. And, and, you know, not even the paychecks that's going to come with fighting. It's more of the priceless peace of mind of knowing these people got my back and I got theirs mm-hmm. no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. And so you can go into that cage. Uh, you can go into the podcast show like this. Mm-hmm. You can do these other things with. Uh, yeah. I mean. Anything. I yeah. got I got pressure because I created the pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not this outside pressure. A hundred percent. false beliefs and false perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's. A hundred percent what it is like a, everything that's in your mind is in your own mind and pressure pressure is just like an illusion at a, at a certain point no one's making you do anything and knowing that it's your own mind uh me and marcus before this last fight we're talking about um 
like pressure and nervousness and I don't know the podcast I was listening to, but nervousness and excitement are the same physiological like response in your body. And it just depends on how your brain like switches it. That changed my whole life. I was like, oh, like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Like nervousness and excitement, your body reacts the exact same way to it. It's literally just, I was like, oh, so your brain just controls everything. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's kind of how like I got to the point of fights being like being calm during fights. Because, yo, this is 15 minutes, not that big of a deal. I mean, it's it's important, but like no one pressure, pressure for me was I had, uh, my parents didn't want me to do it. My uh, girlfriend didn't want me to do it. Me and my girlfriend at the time when I was an amateur, it was like, you lose two fights, you're done. It was like an, like an agreement. So that's added pressure and everything. She watched you get beat up too. She's like, I don't know. I think I might like this other guy. Yeah, like <laughs> shit like that. Um, but now it's, I don't, I don't have any of that. It's, Yo, my wife loved me either way. Yeah. Kids don't care. Yo, I get home, my son, they my, don't give my daughter, fuck. but they don't give a flying shit. They're like, yo, you beat up. Okay, cool. You're supposed to. Like, yeah. although I do get yelled at by my son. I got taken down this last fight and my son was pissed. Bro, <laughs> like we're sitting there watching it. He's like, daddy, let me watch your fight. Showed him. Dude got under, got under my butt and took me down. And I see his eyes. He's three. He's staring into my head. And I look He's like, like, if he, like, could, he would be like, what the fuck, dad? (laughs) He was like, you got taken down? He's three. Yeah, he's three. Yeah, so he knew. Yeah. That's funny. And he was like, you got taken down? I was like, yeah, I got taken down. I was like, but I got right back up. He's like, dad, no one takes you down. I'm like, like, are you mad? He's like, I I can't believe it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But outside of that, like, nothing that's really important to me changes based on the results. So that gives me free, like freeness yeah. to, to really go chase on. I get to go out there and be and, a real artist and be a hundred percent. Like, I feel like I go out there and I get to genuinely have fun, paint a beautiful picture of whatever I feel like painting that day. And then at the end of it, here, this is what, this is what I got for you guys. And so far it's been so good. So, what, to keep what's going. next then? Uh, we're hoping to get on a card in December or January. Um, we're who, shopping who make, around. How, how does this work? Like, do you have like a manager? So I have a manager. Or? I'm signed with Iridium Sports Agency. Uh, okay. Jason House. He's out in uh, Vegas. Um, and then I have my coaches. So I have it kind of set up to where my coaches can find me fights. Um, so if we find something regional, I can take that. And Iridium tries to help me out with everything else. Um, they're trying to get me. So at this point in time, I kind of got to just get eyes on me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're knocking everybody out, if nobody knows it, yeah. um, which people do know is just, I got to get the right eyes. Yeah. Um, what so are the, what are the right eyes trying to get Dana, Dana, any, anybody to be honest, I'm not me personally. I'm not, a. I don't want to say slave to the fact, but I'm not a hundred percent UFC or nothing. Yeah. To be honest, UFC is the goal but if the PFL came or somebody else came before with the offer, I believe in myself and my abilities. Yo, I'm going to try and go get a million real quick. Mm-hmm. If, like, the PFL came and knocked on the door, I'll 100% go try and get a million before. That, that doesn't even make any sense saying no because I think I can fight pretty well. So yeah. <laughs> let me go try and do that real quick. And if I don't, we'll just go back to the drawing board. But at the end of the day, I think if Miles taps out his full potential and everything works well um, as it has now. I think I 
can touch a world title. Now, whether that happens or not, I think the only world title that matters matters is in the UFC. So we'd have to try and figure out how that career career goes. But right now, I just got to keep on fucking people up and fucking people up. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like at this point, like if hand down, man down until someone stops it. And then the cool thing about my career so far is I haven't had to show what I can do at all. Like mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form, like, and because none of your fights professionally have gone out of the first round, right? The very first one, and he was probably the worst guy out of the three. He made it out of. The, I slammed him on his head twice, <laughs> and it was like five seconds into the second round. I ended up knocking him out, but every every fight has ended. He's his was like ten seconds into the second round, but everyone has been in the first round. Um, so I haven't had the opportunity to really show that I don't melt anything. Like yeah. Like, right now, Smiles hits hard. Like, I don't even know if you could say I necessarily throw wild because I don't. Like, I haven't gone out. It's literally, as soon as I touch you, it's a finishing sequence. And I personally don't like it because I don't like the people think I just hit hard. Yeah. Uh, It's nice because I like going home and everybody likes knockouts and everything. But, again, as I've developed as a martial artist, it's now. So, in my head, I was a. I went from being like a grappler slash wrestler to now everybody thinks I'm a striker. And I'm like, no, I'm a, I'm a lot more well-rounded than, than what y'all think, which is cool. Cause if I can get as far as I can without having to show it anything, mm-hmm. but to me, it's almost, uh, I feel like uh, what's the, I can't think of the word I'm trying to look for. It's like, it's almost like an, a distraction illusion because I mean, dude, when I got hit, I was like, Oh yeah, you hit hard. That's the hardest I've ever been hit, and you didn't even hit me. You hit me like five percent of what you yeah, could hit. And I'm not doing that like in fights. I'm not trying to knock people's heads off. But well, you said the first nine fights you were trying to put people on their back, and yeah. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I was a whole wrestler, which works in your legs. favor because right. you know if you're striking and you're like, oh, I can't really, mm-hmm. I can't throw with this guy. I gotta come with a different strategy. Right. No one knows that. Yeah, and the skills I have that are developing. <sighs> It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. We've so between strong style and here, there so yesterday, the rooms that Matt is cultivating at, at Immortal is getting crazy. Like there's it's one of the first times, at least in central Ohio. Cleveland's a little bit different. Cleveland gyms, they kind of all get along for the most part and train around. Mm-hmm. But in Columbus, it's been a little different trying to get the guys from different gyms to all get together and train. You might be friends with one guy, but one guy at one gym, it's been like that for forever. But recently we all get together and we're all, and we're all around similar. It's the same age. And then Matt's like the OG that's like helping us out. And everybody is at a cert at, at such a high level at their individual. Like I'm a striker, but I can wrestle a little bit. But you have Dante from Toledo. He comes down. He's the legit world, like, number one in the world grappler. He's in the room. He's bringing his boys down. Josiah Harrell in, uh, from Grove City, he's in the UFC, and he's a monster. Uh, Max is coming in, um, and Max is a monster. Uh, Max is bringing his boys. Like, we have so many people that are uh, Graham Hunter from Dayton. He's uh, one of the top 170s. I think he's an amateur, but he's about to uh, turn pro here soon. But you have all these guys from Ohio that are finally, 
me and Max were in Vegas. So me and Max knew each other, but we hung out in Vegas uh, before he got signed to Bellator. We were uh, training out at Extreme Couture for a little bit. Okay. And while we were there, so if you haven't been out to Vegas, Vegas is a little bit different than the average. Like, it's a really a fight town. And they have, I call it like a la carte training. So you might go to be an extreme couture guy and you might train with one of the coaches there, do their sparring or whatever. But you also might go to syndicate because you like their jujitsu coach. Or you might go to the PI and get your wrestling in and do all that. They all train with each other. There was a guys from syndicate that I had no clue were from syndicate training at extreme the whole week I was there. Like like active fighters? Yeah, like uh, Jordan Levitt was there. Uh, he's like super flexible. He like twerks over guys after he like knocks them out. It's kind of crazy. But um, some of those guys were in there. And at the end of the week, we watched him fight uh, this guy. Uh, we call him Juice from Extreme. Hit One of his buddies from a, a syndicate was fighting him. And I was like, y'all trained together all week. This yeah. is crazy. But there, if you're not fighting, it's, he's like, it's, it's a business for real. And so we were like, well, that's interesting because when I talked to one of the guys, they were like, well, so many guys are good at so many different things. If we're not fighting, we're doing a, ourselves a disservice by not working together. And they're in a, that's a rather large community of people. Uh, Central Ohio is a lot smaller than that. And none of us were training together. Mm. Um, and not to say that we went out there and made the decision that we we're going to do that, but we're going to try and look for that. And it just so happened when we got back, Matt was starting to do it. Matt, like Lance Palmer's in town. Mm -hmm. Matt's having Lance come in and work with us. He's bringing the guys from Matt and Josiah are pretty close now. So Josiah comes in. Josiah brings Jaden. Jaden's a college wrestler. Josiah is a freak of nature fighter in general. I've never seen cardio like that before. So now we have like this group of guys to where we're all building off of each other. I could not like this is I'll just fucking say it. I could not get off a of bottom like up until like, like I would literally. What kind of bottom are you talking about? Oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, clip that one. So out. in my, in my fights, I would go out there and I was striking Russell and whatever. But honestly, in the back of my head, it was always a concern that if I got taken down, I wouldn't be able to get up. It's just something like as a wrestler doing jujitsu is not something I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And that room so I had a, a two fights back to back. There's both. One was Tom Kaiser. He was a Virginia Tech wrestler, D1 wrestler. And the last guy, Brogan Endress, he was a uh, judo black belt. Two guys are probably going to try and take me down. With that, I had to get it. You know, I might be on my back for a little bit. Um, first guy, I knocked him out 30 seconds. Second guy, so like, we didn't even get that far. The second guy, I was like, there's probably a little bit more of a chance of me getting, getting down to the ground. So me and Josiah started training. Uh, Dante as well and everybody. These guys are really, really good at jujitsu. Started training, doing all this. And then I get taken down in my fights. First time I've ever been, like literally, I've never been taken down in seven and two, four, about 11, 13 fights now. Yeah. Never been taken down. This first person that even like really got a good attempt at it. Took me down and I popped up so fast. And I give the credit for that to that room that, that is starting because there was positions I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting put in because of the guys I was not necessarily the guys I was training with, but I can kind of mitigate that. I don't like putting myself in those positions. Yeah. Now I got guys that are putting me there. Yeah. Like when I was, like train with Josiah, yo, I'm getting 
I'm getting taken down. Now I got to yeah. get good from there. And they're not nice about it. Like we're here. We have a group of guys that are, we're here to get better. We're not bullshitting. We're here. All of us are here trying to change. It's like having that community. And we're yeah. all, Josiah has, has the disease with his brain and everything. And he's coming into the gym and he's not like training. He's got to be careful and everything, but he's pouring into all of us. Yo, you got to fight. We're going to, we're going to work on this because if this guy takes you down, you got to be able to get up. You might not have the best jujitsu and my jujitsu is getting good. I identify as a grappler now, guys. So watch, <laughs> I could have strangled this guy. The last guy, <laughs> lucky I have heart, like, Lead in my fist because I would have choked this. I'm gonna sorry. I'm gonna go on a submission streak and it's gonna be all bad. Like as soon as somebody has a chin, I'm choking everybody out. <laughs> like hopefully everybody just like has soft chins. Just take your back right when the fight starts. Yeah, I might butt scoot across <laughs> to the next guy just to prove a point because everybody thinks I just strike. But the community that we have. Everyone's pouring into each other, helping each other out. We have little guys helping little guys, the bigger guys, coaching like. Not necessarily coaching, but giving ideas yeah. to where it was such a long time without that. That is so ref like refreshing. Like now, I'm like, man, I got. I'm looking around at the room. Like this is like a world, like a legit world class room in Columbus, Ohio, and nobody. The world's gonna know here soon because we're yeah. all getting on. But uh, yeah, uh, so AJ Dobson, he's. I mean, we got Matt AJ. Um, he was like the first Central Ohio guy outside of Matt that really put, I feel like he doesn't get talked about much, but I'm, I'm if somebody's going to talk about him, I'm going to talk about him because that's- We'll get him on the show. Yeah, that's, that's big, bro. So AJ really was out there putting Ohio on the map, traveling all over the country, knocking everybody out. And I feel like he kind of gets lost with like the new group of people that are coming in. Mm -hmm. But he's the one that kind of put us like, recently put us on the map, like, it was him. Now we have Dylan Budka. We have Josiah. Uh, Dylan just got on the Contender Series. We have Max. Uh, we have Jaden. There's such a good young group. No one knows who he is, but when Gavin Baisden, he's trains out of more. If you talk to Matt about Gavin, yeah. Gavin's the scariest one out of us all. Mm. Gavin is, so my last three fights, four, four. All my pro fights. Gavin has been one of my training partners. Gavin has not fought yet, and he's the toughest training partner I have. Is it, he going to fight? Planning on it. He, yeah. He don't, I don't, I don't even think he has a choice because it doesn't even make any <laughs> sense. It, do, it genuinely doesn't even make yeah. any sense. But we have such a good crew of young guys that are pouring. And Gavin, when I first started training with him, really wasn't like, he was like had something to him, but we have the community to where everybody's pouring. So Gavin will be trained with Josiah. Gavin will train with whatever. And because it's not so malicious, you don't have the guys that were in that crew uh, before where it was so like a toxic environment of yeah. machismo and everything. And now you have guys really trying to help and build each other up. You don't have guys running uh, where you see a guy and you don't see him no more. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to come back. Oh, I'm yeah. going to come back and get, get some work in. All right, y'all going to be here on Tuesdays and whatever. All right, what time? All right, cool. Let's make a group chat and whatever. And having that brotherhood yeah. of, because what I found up in Strong Style is a little bit more of that, but it's like a team. Like, they're, it's just one team. This is a little different here to where it's multiple teams coming through, but that environment is starting to get cultivated where you walk in and you can feel it. Like, you can feel it. Like, you get goosebumps. You can feel like, man, this is like a... It's a different 
you walk into a mortal during class time, and if you walk into there on uh like on a Tuesday or Thursday when we're in there getting after it, it's a completely different gym. Mm. Completely different field. Music's blaring a little bit louder than what it is. Not to say that the classes aren't getting after it. They are, but it's, it's a different kind of, yeah. it's not, that's martial arts. We're mm-hmm. coming in and getting good at becoming fighters. And now you need both of those to work hand in hand, but you need, if you're a martial artist that is a fighter, you need a time to be a fighter. At some yeah. point in time, it's hard to get after and cuss and scream with the soccer mom sitting next to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The class is like individual. I'm, I'm learning. And this is the team training. Yeah. Session. Yeah. Classes. Like I tell some of the younger guys, classes are where you come to learn. The end of the other stuff is when you come to get better. So I can come learn. Matt can show me how to throw a knee and an elbow in class. But if I never come in and throw a knee and elbow any other time other than that, I just know how to throw a knee and elbow. And that doesn't mean I'm good at it. Yeah. Yeah, so could you take Matt? Nah, I ain't gonna. Nah, Matt probably hurt me. Do <laughs> you think he, he could? He could. Uh, um, I want to create some controversy here. I'm gonna send him this clip and be like, "Yo, Matt, he said he could whoop your ass, bro." He taught me. He taught me mass majority of everything, and I'm sure he probably has a couple more tricks for me mm-hmm. that I probably don't know. He probably knows like some a couple of pressure points, but yeah, no, me and Matt spar and. Are you guys Matt, same weight class? Yeah, we're both 170, okay. but Matt's like uh, Michael Myers. If you haven't experienced it, Matt makes the cage. So you got this big ass cage and he somehow makes it like a circle around you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're trying to get away, but he's like right in front of you. And I don't like that. That's yeah. a, And honestly, it's actually really crazy. I don't like it, but I fight like that. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife were watching, I think this past two weekends ago, me and Cam, big Cam from the gym fought on the same, same night, different places. And the highlights of his fight and the highlights of mine. Now, what happens when we get into range are two completely different things. But you can watch uh, his guy moves. He comes in like the Terminator. <laughs> my guy moves. I come in like the Terminator. You're crossing the mall. Yeah. And my wife was like, y'all fight like Matt. She's mm-hmm. like, now what happens when y'all get there? Is, she's like, but Matt's constantly in your face and walking you down. Even uh, Josh, her, Josh, Josh is super athletic and does all kinds of crazy spinny stuff. The flying but, Hawaiian. Yeah, but he's also getting after it the same way. So he's building like this style, um, but he's the originator of it. And well, Dorian Price, Dorian Price is what our, like, if you were to give a style and name, it's like the 38 chamber style, the three ranges, eight strikes, I believe is what the title comes from. But he's- Dorian Price, he's one of the the most known slash unknown Muay Thai coaches, right? He's amazing. Yes. Yes. Amazing. If anybody out there is able to get a, a opportunity to train with Dorian, it's the, his mind for violence is crazy. Like- Yo, we're gonna take your elbow and you're gonna crush his orbital bone with this. It like he says it's so like nonchalant, like he's all about breaking like skeletal structures and stuff yeah. like that. And he him and Matt have cultivated a style that is just meant for inflicting violence and this craziness. Now Fight Matt is scary. <laughs> yeah. Fight fight Matt is scary. I don't I don't know if I want to stand across and have one of those elbows go across my across my head. I don't I don't know if I want to do that. Everyone talks about John Jones elbows. I said, You seen Matt Brown's elbows before? Or getting hit hit by him. Like for a guy that isn't necessarily the most athletic dude, the amount of power that he can he's like made out of wood. 
Yeah. Like, it's like, like he hits and you're like, oh, that was all solid. Whatever you had to generate that. Oof. It's like getting hit by like a, like getting shot by somebody with like a 22 versus like a desert eagle. It's like, boom. You're like, oh, there's a hole in me now. (laughs) Yeah. He's just so much respect. That's, that's what always just comes to mind is, and he was doing it when it wasn't as, uh, I guess you could say popular. Yeah. Right. And uh, still in the game, like. And a killer. Yeah, he's, uh, he just knocked the guy out. He had the UFC knockout record. And then, um, uh, what's his name? The uh, Derek Lewis has the, yeah, Derek. has has it. But to be up there. So one of my like little goals is to get to the UFC and hopefully Matt gets the record by himself and then me get it. That would be like something really cool. Like if I can't get a belt, I want to do that. If mm. I can just be the dude that just starches people yeah. and people love me and I get that record, that'd be cool to keep that like in the family tree, if you will. Yeah. Like, yo, Matt got the got the knockout record and then I get the knockout record and then we pass it along and it's just a whole bunch of immortal like knockout artists yeah. or whatever. That would be be pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like Matt's, He's like, he's your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. hundred percent. You know, he's like the, uh, the people that really know what's going on. Like, oh no, he's, he's on Mount Rushmore. One cool thing about, about fighting is I feel like I get to show, uh, like if you have an eye for it, you can kind of see what the family tree of each fighter is. You're like, oh, all right. So Miles does a couple of things because, like, at least if I watch it, like, I do certain things because AJ's been a, such an important part of my life. I have certain things I do because I've been training with Matt for so long. Mm-hmm. I have a certain things that I do because I've been at Strong Style for as long as I have. Uh, I have certain, like, just tendencies that you get to see. And I feel like when I get out there, I get to show. Uh, now, you might not know what which, what, is, what is what, but I know when they watch, like, ah cool like i like, want to like make them yeah. proud a little bit like yeah. like there's like just certain stuff is i know like things that like aj has told me that just clicked over the last the last two fights mm-hmm. and if you've watched so if you watched aj's amateur career how i'm going out and fighting in the first couple fights is literally like i think of how not his amateur career his actually early pro career he would come out one two and fight would be done mm. and there was just a little things that he's like told me about like how he throws his straight punches that have clicked like this clicked if everybody is getting knocked out blame aj dobson yeah <laughs> and then there's little things in between time of like how i fight how i think and how i do stuff that's purely matt like the pressure i never even thought like if you watch me spar sometimes i'm don't i'm not really all that much of a pressure fighter mm-hmm. but when it comes down to fight time that that immortal i'm we're getting after it and I'm walking you down and we're about to, we're about to fight kicks in. and I got anxiety. So like yeah. we got to figure something, something <laughs> out like right this, now. Well, we can't leave this up to the judges. Right. Someone's got to go. The clinching from Dorian, um, the strength from West side. I've never gotten into the cage and felt as if somebody was stronger than me. I've met like never ever had that ever be a thought. Mm. Um, just making all these people that have like invested and poured into me, showing the that it's been worth it is, is awesome i feel like even the people that i haven't met that poured into these guys that have like 
like man, like cool. All right, let me see what let me see what Dorian's got going on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Dorian's. Or I don't know who this dude is, but man, like Dorian, he used he, that thing I showed you. Miles used that pretty good. Yeah. Or like Dorian hitting up Matt. Like if Dorian hits up Matt and is like, man, that cool. Just having that, being able to make this like this family tree of like I want to have the most violent family tree. Yeah. Like when I'm done, Josh knocking every having 125 killer uh gavin when he comes in i have my friends chase up at uh strong style uh walter at strong style um all of us through our little connections are all all connected in some kind of family tree some kind of way through this art that we're able to practice and us being able to somewhere down the line maybe 10 15 years from now be able to look and like you talk about the militiches and uh, Robbie Lawler's in that line and all these guys, Dwayne Ludwig with uh, TJ Dillashaw, uh, Uriah Favor with Cody, with Lance and all these guys being able to look back and you're like, oh, all right, I see where Matt started it off. And I'm like, damn. That's what it feels like. It's, uh, is it Rashad Evans? And uh, who was his coach? Uh, Rashad was at uh, Black Zillions with Henry Hooft for a while. And yeah. He was at Jackson's for, for Greg a Greg Jackson, right? Yeah. That's what I'm seeing in Columbus is mm-hmm. like that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the Greg Jackson camp mm-hmm. or like you're in Greg Jackson's gym, yeah. you know, it's like that, the mortal gym. Now, obviously yeah. you're taking pieces from other gyms, but, uh, that's, we we're talking off, off camera before we started, like as a friend to Matt, I'm like, dude, what you're building it's is awesome. insane. I can feel it. I can see it, mm-hmm. but just outside of the gym. I yeah. don't know all the details that go on there. Mm-hmm. I yeah. went in there once it's or twice a, and said, eh, it's a great, that. like a great community. Brotherhood, man. Happening. Yeah. Brotherhood. There's a lot of pressure in life and, and, uh, you know, to get into the UFC, man, whew, that's a whole battle in itself, let alone to stay in it. And so if you guys can go in there and help each other become better men, better mm-hmm. fathers, better significant others, better, you know, sons, uh, siblings then and having those all about. uh real like real kind like we're like friends where um i feel like a lot of the distance between all of like everybody training was because it was or we'll train but da, da, da. but now like hanging out after after gym we sit down chop it up like um you should really have Josiah on. Josiah is like a really good yeah. talk. Josiah will make you want to run through a wall. <laughs> You're like, we'll get done and we'll just be sitting there talking bullshit and whatever. And then someone will just have like, I don't know if it just feels like someone needs like to hear some words or whatever. And Josiah will start talking or Matt will start filling in and some people on just life stuff, like not even necessarily mm-hmm. fighting or somebody's going through something. Hey man, like, can we go grab some coffee or anything like that? But actually building like now, like instead of bro, I, I train with Max here and there, like Max is a brother, like Max is my boy. And we didn't know each other all that well. Like a couple months ago, like earlier yeah. part of this year, was, that was a dude. But now that's like one of my like real life like yeah. homies that I can call and like, hey man, I we go grab something to eat real quick. I need to talk about something yep. like that. But it's a matter of building those relationships and cultivating them because it's cool. Like you know a guy, but I can't give you a call if I never if I never call you. You know what I'm saying? But you can't you can't call people that haven't done shit with you. That's one I've recognized as well. Is like in my space, for example, like you know, if I've built an eight figure business and I've coached thousands of clients and, and, 
you know, I've hired dozens of people and it's like, well, I can't really talk about these problems mm. to somebody that has a job because they've never done it. Right. So I'm not even going to mention, I'm just going to hold it in. Mm. That's the whole point of what you see people online and podcasts all the time. You got to go to mastermind events and blah, blah, blah. It's true yeah. because you're like, oh man, this person had to do, had to overcome this yeah. massive problem. They get it. It's sure. the same thing in the gym. Mm -hmm. You can't talk to me about what it takes to train. I'm like, bro, I'm going here to hit the bag, get a couple clips on right. Instagram and peace out of here. Uh, but if you do some real hard shit, mm -hmm. you're like, I trust you now. Yeah, I trust you. I, I trust you that if I'm going to tell you something in my personal life, you're not going to. Because we went to battle. You kind of get an idea of what kind of person someone is yeah. from having those experiences. You're like, okay, I kind of got a feel for like what. I don't necessarily know if it's like uh, it's character. You kind of get an mm -hmm. idea of what their character is within those brief moments that you're you were suffering. Mm -hmm. Like you're when you get to see someone where they're on like the brink of, I don't know if I can do do anymore. You get to see yep. like you can look in their eyes and see what kind of person they are. Yep. And then when you're done with that, and I feel like there's when you're talking after going through those moments. It's kind of like a freeing feeling. So people are a little bit more open with about like what's going on with their lives and everything like that. But at some places you get done practice, you bounce. That's what men need, man. That's what I've recognized, especially, uh, we're 29, mm -hmm. right? We're about to be in our thirties and the twenties, a lot of things can, can go on. Right. Then you, you get close to 30. And I think naturally men, they go to high school, they play a sport, they go to college, they get a job, you're in your mid-20s, some things work, some things don't, and then you just kind of wake up, and you're like, all right, I'm 28, 29, 30, maybe young 30s, now now what? Now what? And man, what immediately comes to mind is like 10 buddies and I, we went to Costa Rica for a week, we worked with plant medicine, ayahuasca, and a lot of people are like, man, you did ayahuasca? I'm like, yeah, not the disrespect plant medicine or ayahuasca because trust me i've done it a couple of times mm -hmm. it's changed my whole life but the first trip down there i said fuck ayahuasca we did a four-hour sweat lodge mm. and if you know what a sweat lodge is imagine just picture being in a steam room in a sauna for four hours and so when you get out of there you're like mm -hmm. yeah bro i love you yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I saw my life flash before my eyes like eight mm -hmm. times so again wow. next time you get into a sauna mm -hmm. and you're in there for 20 30 minutes at lifetime fitness four or wherever hours. yeah four hours and people die in them i didn't know that i googled that shit oh, later man. but if i would have read this i would not have gotten in <laughs> i did but, a, a sauna for 10 minutes with my father-in-law while we were on vacation and that was felt like suffering i couldn't imagine four hours yeah, four hours, and you got like a hot cup of water like this about two hours in, and uh, yeah, if you, it's called a tame skull, if mm -hmm. I'm pronouncing that correctly, a sweat lodge, but there's like these hot boulders that they bring in, and they dump water, oh, and the steam. Steam goes crazy. Yeah, and then you're just in there like. Is that what like Aaron Rodgers did? Aaron, was it Aaron uh, Rodgers or something? So funny enough, I'm a diehard Packers fan mm -hmm. and I'm a diehard Aaron Rodgers oh, fan. Man. So when he's talking all that smack about ayahuasca, <laughs> I'm like, what's funny is mm -hmm. he went to a press conference one day. This is when he was playing for Green Bay before he got the first MVP when he went back to back. No big deal. Yeah. I like wearing men's names on the back of my jersey, you know? <laughs> uh, but I was like, oh, dude, he's done ayahuasca. Yeah. I just like knew. You could tell. I could just, I'm like, oh, I think he's done some psychedelics. Yeah. You could just tell you like the pressure. It's a little off. bit different. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. But then, uh, you know, he did 
So he's might've done a sweat lodge. I don't know. I know he's done ayahuasca. Then he did a darkness retreat mm-hmm. where you go into like a room, pitch black That'd for like me out. three or four days. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. I bet you like making it through it is so refreshing. I'd be in a dark room for hours like that would be. I think a day, easy. Two days, mm, day three. I'd be like, whoa, boy. Yeah. That'd oh, be the like, thoughts are getting loud. <laughs> yeah. I did a, a, one of those float tanks one time. Yeah. And that freaked me out a little bit. Dude, that's incredible. I'm actually curious on your recovery. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of sauna cold plunge. I'm not going to go into the science because mm-hmm. I think it's very conflicting. I just always tell people it makes me feel better right? and I act better and I do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the salt tank, I go to uh, Ebb and Float. Shout out to Ebb and Float mm-hmm. here in downtown Columbus. And when you go in that deprivation tank and you're just floating, you can just feel like your neck and your mm-hmm. back and those areas that you hold tension in. And man, one hour in the float tank, pitch black is crazy where your yeah. mind can go. I've thought about doing it again. I've only done it at one time and I freaked out a little bit. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. I've wanted to go back and try it. Um, really, I probably could recover a lot better than what, what I do. Like I stretch and do like some yoga here and there. And mm-hmm. like I have a like a little Rubbermaid tub that we put in the backyard that I yeah. get in and, and like do like the little ice baths and everything. Yeah. I actually do have a, I have a portable sauna too. But I just kind of go off of like feel like for the most part, and this might be that my body's in a perpetual state of suck because I just work out all the time. Mm-hmm. And because of my schedule, like finding the extra time to go and do like really focus on recovery is kind of, kind of difficult. Um, but what I do because of that is I'm big on like Asia used to always call me vacation man. Cause yo, I'm, I'm going to bust my ass really hard for a long period of time. And I just need a week. Maybe not even yeah. a week. Maybe, maybe just like two or a couple of days. Because I'll, I'll work really, really, really hard. And I know a lot of people, and also this is just for like my own mental for real, is a lot of people will work hard and then never really take a, t- a second to sit back and look at, oh, all right, let me, let me relax. Yeah. And there is something to be said for working hard and grinding and everything, but also at what age do you ever sit back and stop? Like, yeah. if I'm not enjoying what I can do, what I'm doing now, or even at in my actual situation where I have a wife and kids, I got to let them know that I still want to spend time with them and everything because they spend mass majority of the year not seeing me as, as often. They see me a couple hours in the evening, a couple hours in the morning, but outside of that time, I'm... I'm a madman running around doing whatever. And so with that, like my body's all messed up. I can't do all the things I really wanted. Like sometimes I come home, my kids don't understand what injuries and stuff are. Yeah. So I got to take some point in time to where I can be a normal person. Um, so I just got back from vacation this on, mon- right. on Monday. Um, we go to Hilton Head like once a year oh, nice. and stay down there. And I feel so much better when I get back. Like I go, go get there. And I feel all super tight. And then yeah. by like week three, like day three, I feel a little bit more relaxed. And by the time I get back, I'm ready to go back into the gym and ready yep. to get back after it. That's what I've learned, man, in my process is uh, taking, it comes back to frequency. It comes back to like, most people will take a vacation when they're burnout, when they're already burnout and then you don't even enjoy it. And then you need a vacation from the vacation. So I, you know, just date on the calendar, date on the calendar of things that are going to be really hard, mm-hmm. date on the calendar 
things that are going to be really fun. Right. My family and I, we go down to uh, Outer Banks. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be going down for, going for like four or five days. Mm-hmm. I think my family's going to stay for like 10 days or so. But same thing. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm probably not going to really work at all. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is new Tyler. Yeah. Old Tyler's like wherever the fuck we're at, 24-7, mm-hmm. 365. It's a different work now. Right. Like I need that space. I call it that space of genius. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that I had this trip coming up, couple of weeks, even prior, I went out to Hawking Hills with my girl, no Wi-Fi, no, right. no phone connection. Cause I know if I would have not taken that trip to Hawking Hills to decompress for 48 hours, I would have been burnt out going mm-hmm. into 100%. The, the trip with the family. Then I'm not my best self, right? you know, with my family, I'm not even enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I've learned in my process is if you have a, a date on the calendar in 90 days to go do something fun, I recommend, hey, at day 45, go do something fun. Yeah. Then you're like, damn, I actually need take this more breath. than I thought. Because yeah. it's a surprising. Like, And your body reacts to so much thing, so many things because of stress that you don't even realize. Like, You can be like, man, I stretch it. Why are my shoulders so tight? <laughs> it's like, it's not that you aren't stretching. It's that you're this yeah. all, all the time. Yeah. Like you need a, a second to really have like a like couple days to just... <sighs> not have any worries there's so much in our daily lives outside of a work like driving home is stressful like yeah. people don't like driving home like you stuff that you see on the tv we're in columbus we're not in la or miami yeah <laughs> so there's so many little minute things that could be added into that little stress that you don't even think about yeah. like you're like oh i got a pretty easy job i only got to go home but it's all those like man you cussed out five cars on your way home yep and your, your blood pressure is high as hell even though like you had a real easy day at work, but your way home was stressful. You just need a chance to decompress. And I feel like there's not enough pe- people. We're in the area working hard is, is great. And we're, there's like a, like I love David Goggins and everything, but like, no, there's, there's points and times where you don't need to be hard pause, but like, <laughs> but there's like a, like it's being cool, but there's times and places like yeah. with, like with my son, I'm learning the fine line of being hard on him and he's three, like he's, he's three, bro. three years old. Yeah. Yeah. Let me love him. Like, cause I don't want my son to get to my age and not know how, and he's just a hardened person. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go through life like that. You're not going to have friends. You may have friends and he might be other hard individuals and cool. Like if he grows up and that's who be, who he becomes, but he has to have that emotional awareness yep. and, uh, insight into himself to be able to be like, all right, oh, let me, yeah, let me decompress because how I view it is, if I'm hard all the time, there's never going to be a person for my kids to be soft with. If that's if they can't be, my son can't cry with me. Who's he going to cry with? He's like, that's where you start finding other things to, especially with like me looking back on like my growing up. It's like, yo, you try and you find other things to try and get. Like when you get in trouble and somebody says, hey, don't let me see you do that again. Your reaction is, okay, I can't even talk to you about yep. why I did that. And okay, I'm still going to do it, but I'm going to do it so where you don't see me. Yep. If I'm not able to have my son feel comfortable enough with me to, bro, if I can cry around my dad, I can talk to him about anything. Yep. I got to, me as an adult, 
looking after someone that's that young, I have to be able to try and cultivate that in myself now. That way, when he's at a certain age, he can he can do those same things because you got leech if you got to teach to lead, I guess. Yeah, and what I've recognized is people like well, I lost my father when I was eight, and my mom remarried, so I saw drugs, alcohol, and then you know she remarried again, and my stepdad is phenomenal. But like, it's so easy when I have a kid to be like, well, I didn't have my dad growing mm -hmm. up. I didn't, it's like, your kid don't give a fuck. Right. No. Guess what? No one does. No one does. No one fucking cares. Yeah. And plus, if you're even saying that or doing that, you're yeah. insecure. Uh, it's <laughs> like, true as you hell. Need to, you, like, need to get, you need to work through that. Mm -hmm. uh, but coming back to the Goggins, like I agree with you where it's, hey, that works for him. Mm -hmm. Or like the, the Instagram post that he put out there. Yeah. I think it's very evident that Goggins is a savage. Mm -hmm. But, well, maybe the other 20 hours of the day. I mean, he literally says it. Like, he stretches, like, two to four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And the other 20 hours a day, he might just be straight chilling. chilling. But when it's time to work, we're mm -hmm. working. Right. But it's when, when it's time to chill, let's chill. It's all about balance. balance. And it's easy for that scale to get, get tipped and feel like— because once you get in, because it's easy once, because you see the results of the hard work and it's easy to fall in love with you. I just need to keep getting results. I need to keep getting results. I need to keep getting results. And everyone else is posting about, mm -hmm. I'm getting up, I'm grinding, I'm a hustler. Right. The one thing I also, and this is my own personal like belief on it, is if you're grinding and you are getting results, you also have to look, if you don't take the time to rest, the results might start off, you might have this whole table. But now, all right, you go back and grind. Now it's shorter. And you're still getting getting results, but it's not the same. If you can operate, like, I, I actually, it's crazy. When I was in the lobby, I was watching a video on Instagram. This guy was showing uh, this Dr. Andrew McGill. I think he's like mm -hmm. a back doctor. I think he works with Matt, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, I know he was showing, he had a guy do pull-ups. He could only do six. And he was like, all right, do one. And he could do a pull-up. He had him do 30 of them. And he was like, listen, he's like, you rested. He's like, you just did 30. He's like, you did. He's like, how many times have you done 30 pull-ups? Never. He's like, I'm going to do six. And then I can do like four when I get back on it. He's like, see, you gave yourself the, the time to recovery. He's like, I've had people get on here, do one rep. He's like, you did one. He's like, all right, rest for a little bit. Get back on there. Mm -hmm. He's like, now he's like, you keep on doing that. Now the, you can knock out 20. He's like, that's the programming has it on people. He's like, resting isn't bad. He's yep. like, you keep continue to go to failure. He was like, all right, now you you barely got six. Now you barely got four. Now you, now you are getting results because you're doing the rep, but what are we looking for? Are we looking for like good results or are we just looking for a result? Yeah, because results is all that matters, right? There's a reason why the, the lion is the king of the jungle and most people don't realize that a lion sleeps 20 hours out of a day. Chills. Because when it's time to hunt for four hours, we're hunting. Yeah, and I'm getting an A plus on that test. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not waking, chilling all day, waking up to get a C. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I had a blast, bro. Yeah, as that was we wrap, awesome. As we wrap, we got to do this again, man. We yeah. got to do this again. Yeah. You got your brand, Don't Melt. Uh, you got a you got a fight coming up. I can feel it. Yeah, uh, it's not on the calendar yet, but it will. We're be. getting there. I actually got a text. We're trying to figure out one right now. Let's go. Yeah, let's be go. Awesome. In December. Yeah, December. Hopefully, Fury or something like that. So we'll get all right. Yeah, on Fight Pass. Let's go. Yes, sir. What else do you, uh, as we wrap this up, anything else you want to share? Shout out to everybody that's made uh, me chasing my dream possible. Um, without you guys, uh, I really wouldn't be here. Uh, shout out to my wife, Allison Robinson. So all your girls that think I'm cute. 
Stay out of my DMs. <laughs> but um, I want to thank Westside Barbell. Um, if you go to their website, uh, Miles Robinson 10 promo code gets you 10% off anything on their site. Uh, Immortal Martial Arts. Um, if you like watching me whoop ass, um, they are part of that recipe that um, allows that to happen. Uh, strong Style uh, Fight Team and Strong Style MMA Team up in Cleveland. They also allow me, that right hand is a product of uh, Big Al Diddy, Alex Cooper, and Marcus, Melanelli, Marcus Marinelli and their old school boxing gym, helping me um, get my boxing together. Um, again, AJ Dobson, uh, that's my brother. Shout out to him. Support his business, iMosh. Um, and then support me, Don't Melt Clothing. Uh, if you go to Don't Melt Co. on Instagram, you can find all everything that I have on there. We're um, we just did our last launch, so we don't have shirts available right now. But we're working on the next one. Um, right now, we're currently thinking about dropping around the time I fight. Uh, we might start doing some stuff more frequently. And if you're a fighter and you want some gear of your own, uh, feel free to reach out to me. We'll figure something out. Um, I don't want to take a huge cut out of the fighters' pockets. I know a lot of people do. We're all trying to make money here, but. Um, again, it's about building your own brand and helping people know what your story is and what your message is. And one last thing, um, if you're a dude, girl, anybody, kid, adult, grandma, grandpa, and you need help, go get help. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I feel like I've had two lives at this point and I'm lucky I got saved for my first one. Uh, anybody out there going through anything, reach out, hit me in my DM. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook, reach out to me on Messenger, uh, anything like that. If you know somebody that knows me and you want to get a hold of me, ask them. They'll they'll give you my number. I'm always here to talk. I'm always here to help. Um, I'm around the city. If you're in the city and you see me, reach out. My car's got don't melt on the license plate. So you know it's me if you see that. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, brother. I appreciate yeah. it.